0: Time to redo the basement.
1: Yeah. A home gym, movie theater, model train utopia.
0: Or yoga studio. I'm flexible-ish. Great. I'll just use the U.S. Bank mobile app so we can plan it out.
1: Which way are you leaning? Setting a savings goal or applying for a home improvement loan?
0: I say we look at both options. Right here in the app.
1: Budget for a really good home gym. We deserve it.
0: <laughs> Noted. Help for today, planning for tomorrow. That's what U.S. Bank is for. U.S. Bank. We'll get there together. Equal housing lender member FDIC.
2: mm <laughs>
3: to the heavy metal mayhem radio show. It is our first show of November. It is the sixth and I'm happy to be here with everybody tonight. We got a great one. Jeff Allen of Witch Slayer is our first guest and then my all-time number one favorite guest to ever talk to, Steve Gaines from Anger Result, will be on in the second half of the show live. We're going to get on as much music as we can. I know with Steve we'll be talking for quite a while, so I'll get on what I can now. And then, you know, after the first interview with Jeff, we'll get on a few more tunes. Right there, the Raj. Some classic Raj. Too Hot to Stop. I believe Michael Sancero, who who was announced as a singer about two years ago for the Raj, is out of the band. Um, he's actually the singer in Carl Kennedy's band, Kennedy. And they brought him in, because Rock, I guess, didn't want to sing anymore. I don't know really what the deal was. I spoke to Carl when he was promoting the 450s record. I honestly don't remember (laughs) what he said. Uh, They brought Michael in, and, you know, they have a new bass player, because Gary sort of retired from music, and they have a new bass player, too. Uh, but it looks like uh, Michael is out of the band, so uh, I don't know what happened. I just realized right now when I was looking at the Rod stuff, and I don't think he's performing with the Rods anymore. So hopefully Rock will keep on the vocal duties, and we should have a brand new Rod record next year. And we'll have either the Rock on here or we'll have Call back on here to talk about that album. All right, we're gonna like I said, we're gonna keep the music going here tonight because we got two guests, and you know that's a lot of talking. So we'll keep the music flowing. And in between, I think we'll sprinkle tonight's show. With some of the Steve Gaines catalog, you know, we'll get some uh, abattoir on, uh, you know, obviously we're going to get some anger Resort, we'll get on some bloodlust, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. How about right now we do, uh, you know what, let's do some tactics first, fear no evil. (laughs) Alright, mean streak with the warning. The girls are out on the road right now. They're opening for John Petrucci. I, I missed them when I went when they were playing in Brooklyn with uh, Sacred Oath and Attacker, but in a way, I guess I'm kind of glad. It would have been nice to see seen Sacred Oath, but, you know, uh, uh, Bettina broke her hand or her wrist or something and she didn't get to play anyway, so... You know, they only do like an instrumental type of show, but it is what it is, right? Right before that, Blessed Death with Into the Oven, one of my all-time favorite bands, a band I believe I helped get signed to the deal with Megaforce back in the day, and right before that, Tactics, Fear No Evil. We're going to get some Witch Slayer on right now, and then we're going to talk to Jeff Fallon in about five minutes. So uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the interview.
4: Witch Slayer. He grabs the ball, one by one, and swings. Screaming fright, it echoes throughout the hallways. It becomes a terrible sight. Witch Slayer. Witch Slayer.
3: It's a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, you. You as well. Thanks for setting it up. Oh, I love. It. I have to tell you, you, know, I remember 1983 being a in my teenage years and, and demo tape trading like everybody did back then. And getting a copy of that demo tape and being a fan ever since then. There hasn't been much going on until recently, but still a fan. I mean, when you think back, I mean, one demo tape. It's lasted 40 years almost for people in their mind and memory.
1: Yeah, it sure has. Sort <laughs> of exceeded our expectations. <laughs> I uh, wish I could know know then what I know today, right?
3: Yeah, it would be great for everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it is what it is, you know.
3: Absolutely. Well, you know, when you think about the band itself, I mean, you know, Chicago. Uh, I mean, people always people always went to like, you know, it was everything was happening in California. I'm from New York. We had a. A pretty vibrant scene here with our Club L'Amour, which was like, you know, a pretty popular club back in the day, but Chicago, I mean, there were a lot of bands that came from that area, and people maybe forget about them or don't remember, but, you know, there was E-Trope, Trouble, Thrust, yep. I mean, Zoe White, I mean, Paradox, uh, you know, time Rain, and it was, a, it was an amazing scene from the outside looking in, but how was it for bands actually being a part of it, and so early on, like in 1980, when... Heavy Metal was just kind of like you know starting to take off a little bit people really even know what it was all about well
1: it was you know all the bands knew each other you know we all uh, played with each other and and when we did the bars Uh, you know the the thing with Chicago Chicago's a tough city very working class Um, we never had you know we didn't have the glamour of like an LA scene and uh, but we had good musicians and we had a real heavy sound to us, uh, that I think was unique uh, around the country. Chicago, I mean, Chicago, the metal we created was just real heavy. If you think about Trouble and what we did and War Cry, just a very Sabbathy influence, I, I would say. Yeah. Um, and, um, but, um, you know, it was, it was tough trying to find venues to rehearse in and, and play and. You know, a lot of the bars we played at were just complete (laughs) shitholes. But, uh, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, the bands, there's a lot of camaraderie with the bands. Uh, We used to share rehearsal space with Trouble and uh, right from the beginning with those guys and uh, E-Trope as well. I used to hang out with them and uh, it was good times, real, real good times. But it was hard to get... The, uh, the 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 uh, industry to really take us seriously, and it wasn't until Brian Slagle put out that Metal Masker four album that we got started to get some recognition, and um, we sort of forced our way onto that Metal Masker album.
3: <laughs> well, you, for people that don't know, I mean Metal Masker, you know, was was a great compilation that came out with the first one that had Metallica on. That's what kind of broke the band in a way to to the people in large but yeah. when the fourth one came out there was actually quite a few Chicago bands on that on that album was it something intentional that was done at that time that kind of highlight Chicago metal or would it just kind of work out that way that most of you guys wound up on that album at the same time
1: it, it sort of worked out that way when uh, in 1983 I don't know if you remember but there was a thing called the Us Festival yep. out in uh, California and uh we decided to go out there just to see all the bands. It was a three-day festival, yes. and they had a heavy metal fest uh, day. And uh, you know, all these bands were just really in their their heyday. And uh, so I remember Marty Fitzgerald from War Cry and John Bonata from a band called Thrust and Craig McMahon and I. we were all we we're all going to head out head out there and see that heavy metal day. And uh, we had never been to L.A. <laughs> you know we were just a bunch of chicago guys and uh so we figured well while we're there let's look up this guy Brian slagle because he's putting out these compilation albums <laughs> and uh so we just tracked down his address based on uh, the first few metal massacre releases and we walk in man and we're all metalled out and we hand him our demo tape and said you know we're witch slayer from chicago and we want to get on your next Metal Massacre album, and here's our tape. And he and he looked at us, you know, and he was just starting out. It was a real dumpy office, and um, he's like, yeah, I've I i heard there's a bunch of bands in Chicago that there's sort of a scene there, and I've been thinking of highlighting Chicago on my next uh, release. And it just sort of uh, evolved from there. You know, once word got out that Schlerer was getting on there, then next thing you know, all these other bands were submitting tapes, and it just came together
3: in that way. That's amazing. So, That's a great story. It's like, yeah, we'll go to the Us Festival and we'll, we'll track down Brian Slager while we're out here in Los Angeles. <laughs> and people, you know, the label, like I said, was in its infancy back then. He only had the compilations out. I think he had maybe two or three releases besides that at that time. Not a lot happened. They weren't the label that people know them as today, but nothing really was back in 82, 83. Everything was just kind of getting started back then for everybody. And, you know, pre internet days, you really had to do your homework to go find somebody back then. <laughs>
1: You did, and you know, metal back then. I mean, the airwaves, the radio stations were really afraid of metal. Yeah, it was real hard to get any airplay. And uh, you know, um, my point being, uh, the labels were just afraid to touch us. I remember Craig McMahon, who was the guitarist in, in the band back then. He was at in L.A. He had, he eventually moved to L.A. after we disbanded in Chicago. And he was at, like, the Roxy or something, and he ran into an A&R guy from Atlantic Records. And the guy's like, come out to my car. I want to show you something. And he pulled out his briefcase, and in his briefcase was our demo tape. Wow. And uh, he was like, you guys are just too heavy for prime time. You know, you're good. We're looking at you, but we're just not ready for you. And, uh, And I remember the first time I saw Metallica in at a bar in Chicago and I was like these guys are awesome but they're way too heavy I said they're, they're never going to get airplay <laughs> you know <laughs> what the fuck did I know but uh they uh, I just didn't think it was I would ever see the the day that the way things are today I mean everything's accepted That's but back true. then you know when out of the 70s it, you know the 70s rock was nothing like the 80s metal and uh you know Slayer and Megadeth, those were heavy, heavy Anthrax, you know they were great bands, but I just didn't think they were ever become commercial bands um, I, don't, I
3: don't think anybody anybody really ever did, when you think about it I mean, you had bands like, you know, Maiden and Priest that came out of the, you know, Priest in the early 70s but Maiden in the late 70s, early 80s you knew that there might have been a chance they could make it because they did appeal to a larger audience and it was a little bit more, I don't want to say commercial but a little bit more radio acceptable, some of their songs uh, but I never thought myself, when I first heard Metallica for the first time in 81, and then bands like Exodus and all these heavy bands, I said, you know, this is really underground, it's never going to go anywhere, it's, it's for us. And, but then, you know, who the hell knew, right. two, three years later, you know, Electric Sign and Metallica, Atlantic signed signing Raven, all these bands were getting signed to major labels, and I, I never saw that coming. I don't think a lot of bands did at the time, so when you got into this music and wanted to play it, I guess you kind of had to have that expectation, like, you know what, I don't know if we're ever going to make it, but we're going to have fun doing it, because it's just not maybe radio-friendly ra- music, like you said.
1: Exactly. It was more for us. Um, and um, I remember um, you remember uh, Johnny Z, right? Yeah. Megaforce Records. He was looking at us at one time, and I don't know what happened, but I thought he, we were going to get a deal. That was at the time when, Meg, when they had Raven and uh, Metallica on their label. And For some reason, it fell through, but that's about the closest we got. And uh, and then the the final straw was we were supposed to open for Accept at the Chicago Metro, and the roadies. You know, this was like broadcasted on the radio that we were opening for Accept, and it was we had a pretty we were building a pretty good following at that point, and the roadies just canceled us. At the at we walk in ready to set up, and they're like, "We're not going to have an opening act. Here's 150 bucks. Get the fuck out of here." What? and uh yeah <laughs> the and uh, that was like the last draw for us and at that point um two of the guys said we're moving to california we're not going to make it in chicago and i was just like oh right, well good luck you <laughs> know i'm wow. not going to california and um uh, that was the end of the band but the uh, demo tape carried us through and
3: uh it's so dead. you know do you think the band has something to do with that? Because if I remember, that had to be around eighty-three, maybe eighty-four. I think that was Accept's first time here in the U.S. Probably touring. Uh, if I if I can remember, that far back. I don't remember yesterday. Or something it was, but it Ball had to be the, the first tour here.
1: Yeah, and I think they did the same thing in New York to some band that was up and coming there as well. Um, so you know, I I don't know if the band had anything to do with it. And I, I I like Accept. I love that Restless and Wild album. I, I'm not going to talk shit about them, but uh, you know every time I hear Accept, it reminds me of that night.
3: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: And, <laughs> it's, a yeah. <laughs> and I remember standing there, and the entire arena was just chanting Witch Slayer, Witch Slayer, Witch Slayer. And it took like an an hour for Accept to come out. You know they should have had an opening act, but but uh, it just didn't work out. Yeah. So and you know and and when you're looking back, you know you got to take your, your, uh, your licks, man. You, and you just gotta rebound from them. And but we were like just kids, and uh, we didn't have management. So, but uh, looking back at it today, I would have forced my way on that stage.
3: <laughs> yeah, sure. Right when now. you think about it, yeah, because you know, like I said, it was unheard of back then for any band not to have an opening act, especially like when you're playing in, in a local club, you know, and you have the local bands playing there. Uh, that's like the weirdest thing in the world That they would do that It makes no sense But you know There's been crazy things that have happened You know But I guess that could be enough yeah. to say You know what We're done Because I guess for that Really think about it 83, I mean really The scene just started taking off About that time And was gaining some traction So I mean do you think If you would have like You know Worked past that If it was possible You might have still Went even longer than that
1: Yeah I, I do I, I do And that, that's part of why I put this album up But I do believe that we were about a year or two away from breaking back then. I do believe it. Uh, I just, at that point, we had been a band for about four years and just playing the bar scene. And, you know, we were really working hard to make, make it make, become successful. And that was just the last the last one, the last draw. And in some of our shows, we had some things happen that were were just ridiculously crazy. And I was like, I don't know if I want to be part of this world anymore. We had a, a, you know, for instance, uh, we did a Halloween show. I think it was in 1983, and we were opening for Trouble. And um, we had our, a guy, we had Sean McAllister, who was the original bass player, and he had left to play in Trouble, and he was on their debut album. And we replaced him with this guy, Rick Manson. And Rick was a, a good guy, but he, was, he had a, a real hardcore thrash punk background. And he and he brought a different element into our band. And uh I remember we were opening for trouble and Rick came out and he was all leathered out and chains and he had these machined shackles on his wrist. And we we start the first number and Rick bangs his head with his with his wrist and cuts his head wide open. And I'm looking at the crowd and then all of a sudden I look at Rick and Rick is covered in blood like in Carrie. You yeah. know, like in the movie. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God. And I I stopped the show right there, and we go over to Rick, and we're like, dude, you got to go to the hospital. He's like, I'm not leaving the stage. I'm not leaving the stage. We're finishing the show. And so we we had someone call 911, and we continued the show, and this guy's just bleeding to death. He's spitting blood at the crowd. And I was like, this is not what I – I bought into when yeah. I got into
3: a band. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, funny. Well, you know, it's we, just shit like that. We, we talk about the 83 demo. I mean, you know, five songs. You know, but there weren't as many genres back then or, or as many labels on music, you know, as it was. It was just heavy metal to most people back then. It was years later when it right. started separating thrash metal, power metal. You know, I hear all, all these crazy mathematical metal today and systematic metal. I'm like, I can't even keep track of it anymore. But. Back then, it was just all heavy metal, and when I, and I think about your sound, I mean, there was that sabbath doom uh, elements in your music, there was that power stuff in there, there was the heavy stuff in there, and, and you guys were doing it, that band Enforcer was doing it, you know, there was a little bit of trouble in there, there was a lot going on musically in all of your songs, and sometimes all within one song. You didn't, like, you know, pigeonhole yourself into one specific sound, you kind of experimented and I think, and really, you know, spread it out over all the course of those songs
1: right yeah no we we uh started out as a cover band and we were heavily influenced by you know i was in high school in the 70s man you know and i I saw all the great rock bands in their heyday and uh and then we got into the british new wave of heavy metal and we were listening to all that stuff you know tigers of pantang and and um angel witch we were a big angel witch fan back then and uh we just sort of Saxon, Maiden, all that stuff, and we we just sort of carved our sound through that. You could probably hear Priest and Maiden, and definitely Angel Witch and Sabbath in our in, in our sound. But we we knew early on we had to create a, an original sound. I didn't want to be a cover band. I didn't want I wanted to sound like no one else, and that's really hard to do. Yeah. but But um, we we somehow came up with a, a unique sound and. Uh, we said if we're going to be a band, we got to write our own material, and it, it just evolved in that respect.
3: So, yeah. Between the demo and the break up, the band maybe what, maybe a year and a half later, maybe almost two years later. I mean, were there any other, was there any was there anything else recorded? Because I know one, you know, we we're gonna talk about the, the the reissue of the demo, the re-recorded version of it. There's a lot more songs in there, and obviously they all came from that era. Uh, but was, was there any yeah. original recordings of those songs made by that that lineup, or were these just all recorded with the new lineup?
1: no we did the demo but we had written about 15 songs and those we, we used to play all those songs live
3: but the only ones that
1: ever got released were on that demo and what was on Metal and Metal Masker which was one of the songs from the demo but in '04, Craig and I got together and we wrote about five more songs so but those those were not included on this album what, what was on the album is everything we did back in the 80s yeah. and we we. Go ahead, sir.
3: No, 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 no I, was just, I was just saying, yeah, how do you even remember those other songs?
1: Uh, well, that's an interesting point because um, when I decided to, to reform Witch Slayer, uh, it was about four years ago, uh, all we had to go on was the demo tape and two live bootleg recordings that we, we came across on the internet. And uh, so I had to bring in this Gabriel Anthony, who's the drummer on the album, and I I had to have him retrack all the songs. And uh, trying to do that from the live tapes was a challenge, but he did it. And uh, we were able to get digital retracking of all the songs. And uh, both the lyrics, I had a lot of copies of the lyrics, and uh, I was able to pull those out and piece it all together. So it, and I'm pleased with the results. It turned out pretty good. Actually, I think it's better than what the original band would have done.
3: Yeah, I have to say, even with the five songs that people know from the original demo tape, they, they sound fantastic. And I'm not a big fan of when bands re-record songs in a new manner, but I think because so many years went by between it, and there's such a, a fresh take on it. I mean, I think they definitely hold true to the classic, but they just sound really, really, really great.
1: Well, thank you. Um, you know, when we did this. I, I've, I've tried doing this multiple times. I tried to get the original lineup together and it would always fall apart for one reason or another. And, you know, guys are in their lives. They had wives and kids and, you know, they had other uh, other things to focus on. And, uh, you know, putting it out is a lot of work. And uh, so I tried it with the original lineup in, uh, about 20 years ago and it fell apart. And then I, I was down in Tampa where the Drum, original drummer Dale Clark lives and I tried to do it with him and this in this guitar player I know from New York this guy Tim Hoyt and I tried to do it with them and it, and the sound just wasn't right it just wasn't right and um, so I was talking to Ken Mandat who I've been friends with since back in the 80s and he's, in, he's a guitarist with Damien Thorne and he's playing on the Witch album and I told Ken he Ken said he'd be interested in doing this album with me and I said if we do it it's got to be done in Chicago and it's got to be done with guys who played on the scene back in the eighties. Cause you know, they know that sound, there's this, this particular Chicago sound. And the only way I can rec- rec- recreate it is with guys from that scene. And, uh, so we started out with one drummer and he was a younger guy and he had more of a, you know how the, the newer metal bands, their drums sound very machine like, yes. um, he was he was bringing that he's a great this guy is a great drummer but um it just wasn't fitting so i i got uh gabriel anthony who was in tyrant's reign and uh he knocked it out of the park he killed it so between him and ken and ken mandat knew that sound as well we were able to recreate the witch slayer sound and
3: uh, so I'm really pleased it. with the way it
1: worked out. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think
3: you did it. I, was... I, I agree. I think you needed to have Chicago musician. It's like you know, when you want a good Italian, you know, Italian meal, you uh, don't go to a Chinese restaurant. You go to an Italian restaurant. Yeah. It's, it's sort of the same thing. And the lineup that you exactly. did put together for this, like it says, Ken, from, you know, I mean, you got Gabriel from Tyler. Gabriel's an amazing drummer, in my opinion. I mean, he played with David Shanko. He had that '70s band going. He used to wear the afro with <laughs> cover songs. Yeah, Tyrant's Rain. You got Ken from from. I mean, you know, it's just, what a lineup. I mean, you know, you've really put that classic Chicago lineup together, in my opinion, too.
1: Thank you. I, I feel like it's almost a, an 80s Chicago supergroup in some respects, because these guys are really great musicians. They've they paid their dues, and the and, uh, results show itself. And we also wanted to keep it raw and, and not put too many effects on it, you know, like a lot of bands do today. We wanted to just make it an 80s band, 80s sound but sort of modernize it because we, we down tuned about a half step just to make it a little heavier. But, uh, I'm, I'm real pleased with the way it turned out. I wouldn't have put it out if it, if it sucked. I just, I, I told Ken that too. I was like, if we don't like it, we're not putting it out.
3: I'm glad you liked That's it Because and I have to tell you it, this, this album This release Caught me completely By surprise I'm flipping around One day I'm like well, Wait Which which slate What the hell is this And I'm looking I'm like When the hell did this come out And I was like This caught me completely I don't think a lot of people Didn't know it was coming Or expected But you've been working no, on it For we, quite a few years You know
1: Four years Through the pandemic and, Yeah You know Ken had to have Back surgery at, at one point It took him nine months To recover And uh, you know it was just one thing After another but, you know, we didn't want to advertise it until we knew it was worthy of putting out there. I don't want to get people's hopes up and then disappoint them with a crappy album. It's just not going to do that. So, uh, yeah, so we, we put it out and we were trying to figure out how to release it. And we were talking to see if we could get any label interest. And no labels were interested in us. They just, because we we're a bunch, an old 80s band, they were not interested. So. We were we were trying to figure out how we wanted to put it out there. Finally, we just said screw it and put it on Bandcamp and posted it on, on a Facebook page that we had an album and just went from there. So and the reviews have been fantastic. So and then we got invited to play Keep It True out in Germany. So
3: yeah, that's you be know,
1: great. know, yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
3: That'll be next year, right? 23
1: April 21st, 2023. Yep. Yeah, we're on a, a Friday night.
3: That's a big festival. The fans go crazy over there. It's like the 80s again <laughs> when, you, when you head over yeah, to those yeah. shows over there. That's going to be a, absolutely an amazing gig. Uh, but do you have any other shows lined up before then that you're looking to play? I know it's not as easy because the band's not together all, you know, all the time, but are there going to be pre shows and maybe a few lined up in one shot?
1: Well, we're going to, uh, we're, we are rehearsing, and um, we are going to play a show possibly at Reggie's which is the Heavy Metal Bar in Chicago on State Street. And that'll be in May. And I'd like to get another show in Chicago lined up before we do the uh, Keep It True show. And uh, so that would probably be early April. And I think it's going to take that long to get us to the point where we're ready to play.
3: That'd be cool. I mean, I wish I could reopen the Thirsty Whale because I remember taking a road trip there. In the 80s with my friends, I forgot who we went to go see. I know Trouble was on the bill. Open up for another band. I don't remember who it was, but that was like the club in Chicago when we went there.
1: Yeah, and I've approached Trouble too. I, I, pr- I approached their booking agent about getting a show with them, but I don't know if they're going to do it. Um, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, it's just one step at a time. I don't want to get too ahead of things, but. You know, I, I next year should be a good year for the band, and um, you know, in my in my uh, dream, I'd like to play all the great venues around the country. I definitely would like to do a West Coast swing, sure, like play like at the Whiskey or something, and then uh, maybe head up to San Francisco and Seattle. Uh, But we'll see We'll see how Keep It True goes
3: Uh, That's (laughs) going to be great I I won't even worry about that I mean The songs that you worked on About 10 years ago With Craig I mean Is there any plan On releasing them uh, You know With the new lineup Or are you just going to work On completely new material
1: Well I know Mandat He's interested in doing A follow up album And I am as well I mean Out of those songs With Craig You know We could do something With them There's, There's a couple Really really good songs That we put together and um, but we'll we'll see. I have to work with Ken, and uh, you know Ken is a really good musician. And I haven't re- wrote anything with Ken yet, but uh, I'm definitely interested to see see how it goes. And as long as it keeps the sound, and Ken knows that sound, he's aware of it. I, I don't want it to sound like you know Damien Thorne does Witch Slayer. I, I want it to sound as a, I want it to be a Witch Slayer album. So um, you know. we're 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 talking talking about doing that so i don't see why not but it's it's got to be good it's got to be a heavy because you know a lot of bands they come out with these great debut albums and then they have these sophomore slumps you know they just come out with these second albums and they're not so good and um i don't want that to be the case
3: yeah i I like that you just said that you don't want it to be a a damien thorne record like doing witch slay that you know that's very important because it's, it, most bands can't keep all the original lineup together, even in the prime, never mind 25, 30, 40 years later. So, you know, something's always missing when the guitar player maybe wrote the song isn't there, or the bass player you had this, or the drummer. So, and it does take away, but, you know, the fact that you're so into, like, in tune and keeping it to what Witch Slayer should be, I don't think there'd be any worries with any record you come out because I think you would kind of reject it if you felt it wasn't in that Witch Slayer vein.
1: Oh, yeah. Tr- trust me, I'm my biggest critic. And uh, if something is... If it's not worthy, I'm not putting it out there. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, when I listened to this album, I listened to this the, the album we just put out. I must have listened to it a, a hundred times. And I was like, this album rocks. So um, I, I, I was happy of the results. It really came out nice. So.
3: Yeah. Well, you, it, I, I, if there were attempts over the years to kind of put that classic lineup back together. I mean, I think maybe 2004, I think maybe 2012 or something like that happened. But, is it that difficult trying to get everybody together and on the same page because people think you know when you're a band you're in touch every day even though you broke up like 20 years ago sometimes you just lose touch with people and they they, completely off the radar you just cannot find them
1: well I know where everybody's at (laughs) trust me I I tracked them all down because I didn't want to put this out and have people knocking on my door saying what the fuck you know you know we how come you didn't ask us to be on it we all wrote that music together but I, I gave everybody their shot and uh like mcmahon mcmahon is totally done with with music he's uh he's in arizona and he's doing this you know K- K- craig's out there man <laughs> and i think that's what made him a good songwriter but uh he's doing uh, like a psychic uh youtube channel
2: <laughs>
1: and don't ask why but he gets into talking to the dead and contacting yeah. people's dead relatives I'm like, and I, I, I had lunch with him in Phoenix uh, two years ago, and I said, "Craig, this album's coming out. I want, I'd like you to be part of it, you know, even if you want to design the cover." And he's like, "No, I'm done. No, I want anything to do with it." He's like, I, "I wish you the best." Yeah. So I, and I tried with Dale Clark, the drummer, because I, I wanted to get somebody from the original band on this album. But, and, and Dale was like, "He's in," and then I don't hear from him ever again. You know, and then he came back, and he said he his parents had Alzheimer's, and he was taking care of them. And by that time, I was in the midst of the recording, so I can't just kick out Gabriel. I think Gabriel's a, you know, be honest, I think he's a better drummer. And, um, Agreed. And then uh, the bass player, I brought Sean McAllister in, who was the I, Sean and I go back to high school, and uh, I said, and Sean was like, I just don't think I can do it anymore. He's like, I got arthritis in my fingers and. I just don't think I could do a full album. And I said, well, can you at least come on and keep this album real, you know? You were there, you helped write these songs. I wanna make sure that this thing, you know, it stays true. And so Sean did the bass work, um, Witch Slayer and I Don't Wanna Die, but then he he sort of helped produce the album. He gave, he gave his input where he felt it was needed and it was valuable, it really turned out, you know, he kept he kept it real. And then I tried to get Rick Manson, who was Sean's replacement, and Rick is another guy who wants nothing to do with music anymore. I think Rick uh, just had a lot of personal struggles and I think he's gotten past that. And I don't think I think getting back into a metal band will push him back into that you know, yeah. that hole again that he doesn't want to go back into. But uh Rick did say he was like in a slayer tribute band at one point. <laughs> but uh so I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it by myself. Cause you know, I'm the voice of the band. And as long as I'm singing, you got the sound, mm-hmm. you know? So singers have that luxury to do that kind of stuff.
3: Absolutely. But when the band did break up, I mean, you kind of like just checked out of the music business completely. Cause I don't remember you doing anything after that that I can recall.
1: I was done. I was yeah. done. I needed a break. And I, I was beating my head in for four years trying to make it. And, uh, I was just, I was just done. We 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 just weren't getting a break. But like I said, I looking back, I think it was premature, because if you want to be successful in a band, no matter what the genre is, you cannot have a backup plan. I had a backup plan. Um, you you've got to that's that's all you have got. It, you know, you have to keep pushing through until you make it. And uh, I I had a plan B, and I. You know, got into another business and I did that, but it always bothered me that I never, we never put an album on. because I thought we had a great album, and and what we just released proved it, and uh, and and this album as well. I think if we released this album in the '80s when people were buying records. I think we would probably sell a million copies. Yeah, but. Uh,
3: it is is what it is it is that great of a record and um, you know people should hear it I mean is there any plans to try maybe not not as you know you're gaining traction people knowing that it's out there are you looking maybe to shop it around to a label to release because I think it was two years ago I remember seeing the demo released by a label called Flynn Records and they put a copy it was was probably just you know the original tape just put out on vinyl but
1: that was um, not authorized I told the guy to, to stop and we have um he's out in greece okay and uh we have another company that ken knows that he's worked with that's going to formally release this album on vinyl in january because nice. surprisingly there's a huge demand for vinyl in europe
3: absolutely all over people are buying it again like it's 80 1982 again
1: i'm sort of shocked by that and you know we, we put out the album on cd and i'm th- i'm thinking Nobody buys CDs anymore. You know, cars are coming out. And there's not even a CD player. That's true. So, so we but we released it on CD, and we put it in a and you know we we were figuring out how we want to package this. We're like, you know, we we got to ship it over to Europe, and we want to keep the costs low. And um, so we put just a cardboard sleeve, and we're getting knocked on that. <laughs> you know? that why did we put a jewel case together and i'm thinking really you know because i'm like throwing out all my cds you know there's, I, I don't have any means of playing them but uh so you know i learned a few things there <laughs>
3: but, yeah
1: but vinyl's but, uh, the way to
3: go today i mean everybody's doing vinyl every evangelist, you know small amounts but and there's such a backlog you know, i guess because of the COVID and the pandemic and everything it's hard to even get vinyl printed right now. It's such a backlog of albums waiting to get printed. we yeah, it's it,
1: we're not going to be. You know, we've already put an order in. It was like a month or two ago. It's not going to be ready till January. Yeah. And it's going to be you know pricier to buy an album, but whatever you know it is what it is. But you know I'm open to whatever if any deals come our way. You know we'll look at it and we'll see. You know.
3: did, did you ever think yep. that you know when when you know when the demo came out, then things ended? Like you always have to say to yourself, yeah, I just wish we could have put that record out. Now all these decades later, now there's a record coming out, but it's coming out on vinyl, which was the only format we had back then. Well, we had cassette and eight tracks, I mean, but vinyl was the main format. You know, CDs didn't even exist, uh, <laughs> which they were around when they were playing. So does that make you feel good that you know there's gonna be an actual vinyl release of your material after all these years? Something to hold in your hand and say, this is you know this is ours.
1: Yeah, I'm proud of it. it. It is nice. It comes around full circle, and um, it is nice to hold an album in our hand. It, you know, it, it always bothered me. I was like, if I if I pass away and I don't get this album out, it's going to be pretty a uh, big bummer that it's it's going to be like an underachievement of my life. <laughs> so, um, no, I'm very I'm very proud to have have gotten that thing done.
3: Yeah, I'm glad too. If nothing ever comes out again out of Witch Lane, it just ends tomorrow, like you were saying. I mean, do you feel like, you know, you left your your, your defining mark now with this record that, you know, you say, we put it out, this is what, everything I wanted it to be, and we're happy with it?
1: Um, well, I'm happy with it, yeah. I mean, what do you, I, I, I still feel like, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But, um, no, I'm happy with the album. I'm really pleased with it. I mean, you tell me. I mean, I'm here, everybody, I'm getting nothing but great reviews on this album. You know um, It's going to be You know Like Oliver The guy who runs Keep it true He's he's calling us A cult metal band From the 80s Because we had A cult following But um, You know um, It is what it is um, I'm, I, You know I, I You know I, I can say All I want for it But it's the fans That uh, call the shots On whether an album Is good or not But I think it holds up As good as anything else Out there um, and I don't think too many fans today are, and especially from our era are putting out music as good as that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really tuned into what all, a lot of other bands are doing, but it does seem like a lot of bands are getting back together because I've seen like the killer, remember the killer dwarfs They're yep. they're on tour and, yeah. and uh, who's, who's the other band, uh, um, uh, the rods, the rods are out there and, yep. um, uh, I think it's great that these bands are are out there. I don't know. I haven't heard their stuff, but, um, you know, I think ours holds up, you know.
3: Right.
1: I, I think we put a very credible album in it. it. It definitely says a lot for Chicago. You know, that says a lot for 80s metal. I don't know if the newer kids, younger kids will like it because they're all into the newer metal. But uh, I think people who are in the 80s metal, will. I think they're digging it.
3: I, I gotta tell you, the, the younger kids today are more into the 80s music than the people that came up in that scene. They're the ones that are driving this entire scene today. I mean, if I go to a show, I mean, you see a couple of people my age, like in the, you know, in the late 50s, like hanging out, there, but it's mostly 20-year-old kids that are living like it was like 1981 all over again, like they weren't even born. I mean, their parents were teenagers back then, and they are so into this. I think they realized just how good and how powerful this music was, and they had that feel of like what was been around and going on today. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not into the new music because that's that generation. But when you go to keep it true, I'm telling you, you're going to see twenty year old kids swarming the place, like and singing every lyric, to every one of these songs, like words that you can't even remember. It's just incredible that the young kids today are so into this music. It's mind boggling.
1: Well, I hope so because, you know, when we were when we were kids, there were so many bands. You know, everybody was in a band. There was all this great new music coming out. And I'm afraid that that's getting lost today. Um, I'd like to see more younger bands, you know, whatever, however their sound is, but get out there and perform and and carve your own spot in the world and and create original music. One trend I see right now which is disturbing is all the tribute bands. And uh, it's like you, you got all these great musicians, but they're playing other people's music. And it's like just put your mind and start writing your own stuff. But I don't know. It is what it is, but uh, I would love to see a new uh, renaissance of, of heavy heavy rock, heavy metal come out because a lot a lot of these bands, you know, we're hit, we're hitting our last years. You know, you look at Priest and Maiden; those guys are all talking about breaking up. I mean, Priest just hit their fifty year uh, anniversary,
3: I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. But, uh, but they're out there doing. It. I mean, look, the Rolling Stones are still playing. They're in the closing down the yeah. of Those Guys, are still out there doing it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't want to bash the younger, the newer bands because there are some good stuff. You know, they have, but, but, uh, the, you know, a lot of our stuff from the '80s is more raw, more true. We didn't have auto tune and all that stuff. We didn't have a, a computer. <laughs> you know, we had to get into a garage and just bang it out.
3: So. That's the way it went. When you look at the recording process today, compared to, everything was analog back then. We recorded on reels. Today everything's digital. I mean, you could stand, you could go. You had yeah. three guys in a bedroom with a guitar, a drum set, and and record an entire record that sounded better than something you spent, you know, twenty five million dollars on in nineteen eighty two. I mean, how how did you adapt to the new technology? Was it something that you felt was better to use than it was the old way? Um, it, it helps, but you got to be careful. You you can't when you
1: when you record a song you can't make it sound like it's um you know everything's been digitized to the point where the computer's doing most of the work you know um it's it's it helps in some respects like for choruses and that kind of stuff but um you, you you know like the way we recorded this album we we had a cheap mic and um we just sort of did it like we, we did the old school, the old way, you know, just, just, uh, well, we, we actually, uh, Gabriel tracked all the songs. So we had that, we had digital tracking of all the songs and then Ken would add his piece. And then I record mine. Um, so we, it did work. It, it helped that way. It helped like a lot of us weren't in the same place at the same time. So we were able to do that,
3: you know, back in the analog
1: days, y'all had to be together in a room yeah. to record, uh, so you know, the digital world makes it easier
3: in that respect. It, it definitely is. Hey, Jeff, I'm not going to keep you. You know, I appreciate you talking to me today. This is going to be on next week's show. I'll send you the link. You know, uh, in an email or a text, and I'll let you know wherever it's going to be, so you get a turn it into people, let them listen to it, but I can't wait for, uh, you know, another Witch Slayer record to come out, and I'm even more excited that maybe January, February, I'm going to have this on vinyl. I mean, I can put my cassette away finally after like almost 40 years. (laughs) I can put it back in the drawer and and get this great record on on vinyl, and I guess the best place for people to get in touch with the band or to buy the record is going to the Bandcamp page right now? Bandcamp
1: page or Facebook, we have a Facebook page where I usually post what's going on with the band. Um, And and that's you know if you if you anybody wants to reach out on Facebook I'm always responding, Um, but yeah I think next year you're going to see a lot of activity from Witch Slayer. Hopefully people who want to see us live will get that chance. That's um, great. uh, Yeah, it's a little nerve wracking I'll tell you that because we put out such a great album, and now you got to back it up live, and that's that's a challenge. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, I'm sure you right, can so. do
3: it. You got the guys with you that know what they're doing too. So I mean, it's not like you know you got a bunch of kids. These are seasoned professionals that have been doing this for a long time, and your voice still sounds amazing all these decades Thank later. You. It's incredible. Yeah, thanks.
1: Well, I I, I attribute that to the fact that I didn't I wasn't playing for the last 40 years. Uh, you know, I didn't blow out my voice, so my voice is still pretty clean. And I, I leave a I lead a pretty clean lifestyle too, so that helps. So. <laughs>
3: That's yeah. good to know. But, but Jeff, it was yeah. a pleasure talking to you today, my friend, and I'm looking forward to many more years with the band, and hopefully you can get to the New York City area one day. I would love to see you here.
1: That would be fantastic, Mike. And uh, thank you for, for uh, inviting me to talk to you, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully rock
3: it out down the road, man. We will. It's my, right. it my pleasure, Jeff. Take care, my friend. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. good guy Jeff Allen is, I tell you, which Slayer, big fan of the band, alright, we're going to talk to Steve Games from Anger Resort in about 5 minutes, he's going to be calling in, I'm going to see if I can squeeze on an Anger of Art song, and maybe an Abattoir song, Uh what is that, uh, do you have the Savage Death Demo, I believe I do, uh, I have to see if I have it uploaded, Iman, and if I do, I'll get something on for you, but uh i got to get some stuff ready for Steve in a few minutes over here, so... Like I said, we don't have a lot of time for music today, a whole bunch of guests. I know me and Steve are going to go at it for a little while, so let me see if I can get on a quick Anger is Art song, and then maybe you can I'll see if I can get an abattoir one. I'll look for a little short one, so bear with me here. How about we do some vicious reply from Anger is Art?
5: brother good to hear from you
3: it's been way too long actually it's been about two years but it's still been way too long
5: gina what happened over the last two years since we talked
3: i don't know i mean a couple of crazy things went on in the world probably a lot worse than they really were but you know it kept us from talking to each other that's a sad thing about it
5: i know and that was the only way to be in contact with one another and we didn't pick up the phone or well we we're still
3: <laughs> you always make me laugh
5: uh, but, uh, hey, real quick, are we live right now or are we on yet?
3: We we are live. I was just playing one of your songs, but you know, I had to end it so we could talk. But I'll finish playing it when we're done.
5: You're well, on the, the air. The second half of the song is better, anyway.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, my old side be able to put everybody into like a room, so they weren't on air live. On this one, I don't know how to do it yet. So when you call, you're on live. Oh uh, yeah.
5: <laughs> Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, I was looking at it online, and I realized, oh, I better turn this thing off so I don't get the feedback.
3: and uh, so Yeah. You know how it's going. I know, I know. But you know what? I'm going to make this quick and easy for everybody tonight. Tell us the name of the record, when it's coming out, we'll hang up the phone, and we'll both go to Big Lots and do our Black Friday shopping a week or two early.
5: <laughs> but the question is, which Big Lots? I mean, we've got to meet somewhere in the middle, like what? Can I know. City or something like that?
3: Yeah, we got, that's not bad. I can go over that way. I can head there. Dude, I knew Big
5: Lots was coming up in the first. In the first, it actually, came up in the second or third point. So I know I, I, I got to get, get it all within in the
3: beginning. That way, we can move on to all the good stuff.
5: All right. Well, for those that don't know, there is a long-running joke. I forget how it started. It's maybe 15 years ago. I've known Mike since we were like kids. <laughs> I think. And somehow or another, we were making contact, and I made the joke of, yeah, well, I, we were texting, I think it was. Yeah. And I said, oh, I'm shopping at Big Lots, and you started giving me a hard time about it, and that was funny. <laughs> Second time we were in contact, I'm in Big Lots again, so it's, it's this thing.
3: It's you an know, ongoing this thing.
5: People, my, yeah, this friend of mine, this gal named Laura, me and my wife were out shopping at Big Lots, and sure enough, she staked us out in the parking lot. Because <laughs> I knew you guys would be here. And I said, "Oh man!" I said, "You need
3: to meet Mike." <laughs> oh god! Yeah, it's just for this little ongoing joke, and I always get a kick out of it when you come on. But I had this is like the ninth or tenth time you've been on the show, and you know, I love talking to you. I love having you on here. You're one of my favorite guests of all time. And I said that in the beginning before you were, were coming on tonight, oh, thanks. and we always have such Thank a good you. time because you know what it is? You got such a great sense of humor, and you know, and besides being a great musician on top of that, so you got two things going for you.
5: Oh. Oh well thank you so much. And yeah, it's funny. it's funny, I got the chat open right now. I'm watching oh gosh, look now here goes everybody. John, I like big lots. Emin <laughs> if I'm pronouncing your name right, Emin O'Connor. Only Aldi is real. So here it goes, man. Okay. We're gonna get some folks involved. No, no man, thank even. you so much. I mean it's it's I know you had retired the show for a little bit and I was kinda of bummed out. Yeah. But then you're raising the grand and you're helping raise a granddaughter. Dude, nothing made me happier, made me more joyous than those videos of her smiling just being a baby and smiling just made my day it was the greatest thing
3: it's so great when you're young and you're innocent you have no concept of the world and what's to come you know <laughs> you just like get up every day right. and just enjoy the moment that you're in i sometimes look i'm like i wish i could do that <laughs> i know i know how old how old is she now she's gonna be four this summer and i got another one on the way this april
5: oh my gosh look at you Make
3: yeah, yeah. So you know, I it got to be a lot. Look, because I was babysitting her by myself all day. I worked a night shift. I come home at seven in the morning, and yeah. I watch out the floor. Uh-huh. I was so burnt out, I can't do the show no more. But then she got a little big, and now she's in preschool. So I was like, you know what? It's time to start doing the show again.
5: Good man, because the 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 scene, the whole metal community has missed it. So uh, uh, welcome back, that. even though you you know the game so. Let's do this. What's going
3: on, man? <laughs> well, you know, I mean I'm happy that, you know, you guys got busy again. The, la- the last time we spoke, I think you guys were all set to come to New York. You were gonna do the Abalust, I believe, uh, show for the Rage of Armageddon and then COVID oh, hit and gosh. everything went to shit. And I was like, Oh my god, I'm not gonna get, get to see Steve again in New York, but I'm gonna to see, you know, Abattoir Bloodlust combined together. You know, I was like so excited oh, that shit hit the fan. And but they did the festival but you didn't come back for us, so I guess it was like, you know, over and done with it at that point
5: well it's not it's not so much that there was a, of course like everything else in my life with my legacy bands it, there's a lot of hair on it so <laughs> the, the best way to put it is yeah we were going to come out because uh uh angers was going to do some east coast dates but uh we were going to anchor it around doing one special set of just Avatar and bloodlust songs and that was going to be at the festival that ed was putting on so you know that fell through because of covid and when it came time to redo it again i had been in contact with the bloodlust guys and both albums had been reissued. They were reissued in 21, if, you, if you're not yeah. uh, aware of that. So they came out, and of course, the here's the thought. Um, hey, well, Bloodlust is somewhat active. Let's do some dates. And so I reached out to Ed about that. I said, hey, I said, how would you like to actually have Bloodlust there? And of course, it changed the trajectory, and we were actually going to come out and play. Six months before the show, <clears throat> like I said, everything in my life with Legacy bands has hair on it. Six months before the show, one member who shall remain nameless. You see how this always goes the same way? Says that, uh, oh, I can't do the show. Why not? Because I've got a pain in my arm. Okay. <laughs> you don't you don't think that's gonna heal up in six months?
3: Probably so anyway, not.
5: This this right. <laughs> Probably.
3: And you know what mean oh, you know gosh. what I mean so, by yeah. pain, you know.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah, of <laughs> course so at that point in time I felt bad I felt like I had been stringing it out along it's like man I just don't want to do this to you bro I just need to step away and I want to preserve a relationship more than I want to preserve a gig and yeah so you know it's the thing to do and we'll get out we'll get back out there again soon but we have to have a new record out and that's coming
3: well you don't have to mention any names but I will uh, was it Sandy Earl
5: no no it wasn't Well, Mel wasn't in that band oh okay Can't mention the name, man, because you'll hear this. But uh, you know, I mean, I love the dude. He's a great guy and everything like that. But it's yeah. just like, come on, dude. because I, I was telling him all beforehand, saying, look, if I put my name on this, understand, it's my reputation, not the band. It's my personal reputation, and I'm gonna have to rebuild anything that gets damaged. Are you sure you want to do this? Oh, absolutely, we're in. So it's like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, and everything fell apart that's why i don't i don't do anything but book anchors art anymore
3: i don't blame you when when stuff like that happens i mean because like you can't get away from the past no matter how hard you try you were part of some amazing bands sure. back in the day and you know yeah. everybody talks about the 80s like it was a glory days and they were great times i mean you know sure. the, the scene was brand new we were all young we were just coming into it we were there from the very beginning of it so you know we kind of helped like create this scene and do social people like yourself So, when people say, oh, you know, abattoir, bloodlust, tactics, name, all these bands over the years, you know, it's hard to get away from that just so, you know, it's anger is art today, you know, because people want to hear that old stuff. But those old days weren't as great as people think they were. There was a lot of crazy and bad shit that went on around that time. We only seem to remember the good times and the good stuff of it, but not all the bad stuff that went on, you know, whether it's band times or just personal stuff, you know?
5: Yeah, or or like we I think we've talked about, like living in the backseat of your car and yeah. saying, "Hey, man, I'm a rock star," but you're in a '79 Ford Fairmont parked at the train tracks, man. It's just that's not good.
3: <laughs> no, not at all. But that's you know that's the way it was. Do you sometimes you say to yourself, oh, why did I get involved with you know doing this? You know, why did I why did I get involved with bloodlust again? Why did I get involved with abattoir again? Why did I? Do you ever just say, you just got to concentrate and anger is off? Well, forget everything else in the past. Or is is it that hard to get away from it? It.
5: It's a mixed bag because part part of the thing, good or bad, is it opens doors and makes people talk it makes people remember. And it, it's interesting because as we're putting together this new record, I mean, I still have people that I'm talking to. Uh, hey, what's the name of your new band? Oh, the band that I've been in for 18 years and has done six <laughs> albums. And it's like, um, you know, and I realized, man, we're about to hit milepost 20.
3: It's amazing. You know, right? In
5: twenty twenty four, we're going to be a twenty year old band, and people still think it's new. But that's just the nature of it. People remember the good times from their youth, and I get that. I I think we've shared it before. I called it the Al Bundy syndrome. Yeah, where yeah. all you remember <laughs> is the four touchdowns in a single football game, and that's that's what you're hanging your hat on. Yeah. And some people didn't realize, you know, life continued after that. Yeah, you. A lot of us ended up selling shoes, and it sucked.
3: <laughs> it was tough, but you know, it, it has been almost well, six or seven years since the last, like you know, full-length original record came out. Fast as Fuck was out in yes. 2008, which has some new songs on it. But it was a great live record, mm-hmm. but you know, since Ed Mortem, mm-hmm. that's been like 2016. So I heard a couple of, you know, I heard a little bit of a sample of the record that you put up on on the Facebook page. And, man, if anybody wants to hear what's coming, mm-hmm. go to Yang Resort Facebook page, and you'll get little snippets of you know what's to come. And, it just sounds amazing. When I see Rob sit behind the drum kit and his face that he makes when you know he's hearing this song, like uh, you know it's good because like, he made that smile like that looks like oh yeah this is like you know this is it.
5: It's funny Rob does not have a poker face. I mean he does if he's playing <laughs> cards he's got a poker face, but when he's listening to music. And it's it's a totally different thing. He can't hide his expression, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I love that. I love seeing that in him. That's how I can tell if we got a good song or a bad song. It's like, can we see Rob's face with you? No, this one sucks. Let's
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell it's going to be great from that clip. But plus, it's you, so I know that this will be Albert's first real record with the band.
5: It will. Yeah, it definitely will. And yeah, we gosh, when we talked last, uh, we I think Dam is still in the band, if I'm not mistaken.
3: I think he just left at that time. I think he just left when, when that happened. It had to be around 2018 and oh, 19. Okay. I think we spoke.
5: He le- yeah. Okay, he left in 19, in about yeah. spring of 19, spring or summer of 19. So
3: Gosh, yeah, that's we like spoke. The, that's the last, last time was. we spoke. Yeah, because you were talking about the Abba show coming up. You like gave a little preview, a little advanced announcement that day, and it was right around the time an album right. came in. Then, so this is really for a lot of there people. The go. first time they're going to hear him on, on album. You know, but you, you were able to of get course. a couple of shows in together. You know, before this whole thing went to shit.
5: Mhm. Yeah, we actually did. I'll tell you what, it's interesting. I think I might have shared this analogy with you. If I did, I'll share it again. If I didn't, I'll share it for the first time. Um, there's an interview I saw with Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy. And he was talking about the transition between Brian Robertson and Gary Moore, if you recall, on the yep. Black Rose record. He says, uh, all of a sudden, Gary Moore's coming into the bank. He goes, oh, wow, I got to practice.
3: <laughs> that sums up and the whole there's thing.
5: There's a lot... Yeah, it, it really does. It's a lot like that because um, I mean, nothing against Dan. Dan is a fantastic guitar player, but Albert's a super technical guy, and he's
1: got—he's
5: also the most humble dude you'll ever meet in your life. It's amazing. He says, "No, he says, I'll just play rhythm behind you." It's like, "Wait, no, that's not going to happen." <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm looking forward to hearing with him. I heard that Dan left the band because you guys were talking about doing a photo shoot with him wearing chaps that a cowboy hat and he had really bad flashbacks to the Abattoir days and said, I'm out. No. Is that true? No,
5: it was was a little different. It was a little different. It was a little different. Um, He didn't have a problem with wearing it, but the rest of us thought it was a bad idea and then he got his feelings hurt. (laughs) Sticking on my feet, look at that go.
3: I know, you're very good. You you always find quality people to play with and, and it really shows in the band And I mean, no, was this album kind of written during the the COVID times, or were we really working on this before then? And just because everything that happened, it's taken us long to get to it.
5: We had a complete record. Um, I don't want to say completely written, but we had all the songs mapped out and everything even before Dan left. But when after he left, then everything took on a different thing. We're showing out with the new songs, and he goes, "Hey, what if we did this there? and we did that. We did that there." And then things start turning around, and then COVID hits, and we're stuck where we can't do anything for at least a year. Um, Eric went through a time where he w- he had nothing to do but sit at home and just work on music, and he was going through some stuff. And he said, you know what, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write some songs, because I've got some ideas. He came up with these songs, took the whole record in a different direction. It's like, oh, wait, then I've got this one that's sitting back here. So it did. It definitely did change, and I'm actually kind of grateful. This is going to sound stupid. I'm kind of grateful that it happened the way it did, because if we would have put out that record in 2019 or 2020, it wouldn't have been as good.
3: Really, you think so?
5: I just, I have, I just have a feeling like we had a chance to really sit and fine tune things, and just make things go in a, a different direction, a better direction. But yeah, it's, just, I, I probably would have had regrets. Um, if we would have done it that soon, and we had enough time. Now we're working on this thing slowly. Um, as you know, and I'm not here to broadcast or uh, anything like that, we had a lot of uh, family issues going on.
3: I know, and I'm sorry uh, about that. I don't time. want to say nothing on the air, but I'm, well, I'm sorry for
5: you. No, no, I, I appreciate that, but I wasn't the only one in my family who experienced loss, several others as well. And it's just, you know, the, and even in Dan's family, he had a, he had a couple of losses and a couple of near misses and stuff like that. So that's literally what happened after, um, after the Ad Mortem record came out. It's like, man, we always said there's that rule that family comes first no matter what. So we've been spending time with family, but it's also had a chance to let us really sit and evaluate the music. And uh, I feel good about it. I, I really, really do.
3: If you do, I know it's going to be a great album. And, you know, for people that don't know, I mean, we spoke about everything all the time you've been on the show, but, you know, when was Like got started in the beginning, it was really like just you. It was like a little solo type thing that you were doing. It was, I guess maybe it might have been your swan song at the time for music. So yeah. when when it does decide, you know, hey, what well, I'm going to keep this going now. It's going to be a band, and you have people come in Was it easy over the years to kind of open up the band more and more to other members contributing and being a part of it, like on the music front, writing and contributing musically? Or was it hard to let that go, considering that this was really just you and your baby in the very beginning?
5: Um, It wasn't that hard, and I'll tell you why. We were, um, you know, the idea of putting together a band, it was kind of like, okay, well, let's do this. And as it starts to grow, I realize, okay, there's only so much I have in my vocabulary. Everybody else that's involved here, I want everybody to contribute and have a piece of ownership, a stake of ownership. I mean, you know how band dynamics work. There are guys that are in bands that don't feel like they have a piece of it and they never write anything. It's like, oh, I'm not important enough to write. It's, well, no, you don't bring anything to the table. Um, It was so important to me. I wanted to make sure everybody had a chance to write uh, on on all of these records, for that matter. I just ended up being the guy that wrote the majority because, i I don't know why i just ended up being the guy that wrote the majority of it but on this particular record it's spread about very very um i don't want to say necessarily evenly but it's spread out amongst all four guys very strongly and it what hold on
0: i'm
5: sorry i just saw something in the chat room i got to answer this guy in a second (laughs) but um I wanted everybody to write that the most important thing, and I've said this from the very beginning, I've always wanted to have this be a multiple vocalist band. And finally on this record, this is the one thing I can really give away because if we look at percentages, it's about a 55, 45% split on lead vocals on this record between myself and Eric. And Eric is probably the way things are shaping. And as we're getting ready to start doing the vocal tracks, like he might end up doing even more to the point where it's like eric's got the eric is probably going to end up singing more on this record than me
3: wow i mean i've seen every guy's live and he's he is he is good and i think he's been probably one of the greatest contributions that you've come up with to this band
5: He's phenomenal. He's an amazing musician, amazing songwriter, amazing dude. And here's the thing: the secret is out about him. He has uh, he started playing with some other bands as well. And he's, um, in fact, in a couple of weeks he's going to be in Germany with Stingy and Crown. I don't know if you're familiar with them.
3: No, I never heard that. I never
5: heard of that band. yet. Okay. Oh yeah, he's got that. He's also he's going to be doing the tour dates with the band Siglos, which is uh, my buddy Sin from Tactics.
3: Okay, great.
5: So, you know, and once again, it's all in the family. I make the joke about L.A. being like a gigantic Petri dish of <laughs> <laughs> musicians or, or whatever. And and this just kind of proved the point. We all just kind of sat back. we like, okay, he's going to play with Sin now. Okay, we're all in the family. Let's do this. <laughs>
3: oh, God. Wait, Stingy and Crown, isn't that the one that has the girl that plays keyboards?
5: Say that one more time. St-
3: uh, Stingy and Crown, that band, isn't that the one that there's a girl that plays keyboards in that band?
5: Oh, gosh, I should know this. I don't believe so. Oh, oh wait, was it a female vocalist?
3: I'm I should not, know that they were. I think she's I think her name was this. Melissa or something.
5: Oh, bro, you're. Oh, man. Uh, Eric, I'm so sorry. I should They're like a, doom, like a should doom metal it.
3: type band, right? They're very doom. Yes. Okay, yes. yeah, that is, yeah, that is yes, the band. Okay, very, yeah. I, I just drew a blank when you said go. the name. It caught me out of nowhere.
5: Yeah, they went to. Uh, I don't recall if they were in New York or not. No, they went to um, the. What's the one in Baltimore? The festival this uh, past summer. The oh! Last, uh, they just had the last. The
3: Maryland Death Fest.
5: Maryland Death Fest. Yeah, they played Maryland Death Fest. They also played in uh, Chicago at uh, Reggie's for the. What... Dang it, dude! My memory's going away. Oh, the right Legions here. of Metal I'm, festival. Suddenly, they did play Legions of Metal as well.
3: That's probably right. And I of course,
5: everybody from. knows it. Right. Everybody knows that uh, that Rob and uh, and Albert are both playing with Evil Dead. Yeah. so it's interesting on the day my on the day my father passed away um both the guys uh both bands cg and crown and evil dead were playing together in san diego and my goal was i want to go down there and see them play but you know things obviously turn a different uh turn a different angle they sent a picture of the three of those guys uh, the three of those guys and that's the only time i think i cried that day it was those three guys with they were hugging hey man we're thinking of you It's like man you guys are amazing you yeah. really are and yeah you know it was just it was just that so i'm just proud of everything that all the guys can do and just one thing, it's no longer, I heard you talking with Jeff earlier, and it's no longer a thing of where one person has to be in one band and one band only, you just can't do that Um, even if it wasn't for the financial reason, take advantage of every opportunity you can to create as much music as possible because those opportunities may not come back and you're going to end up sitting there uh, watching, you know, pretty much watching birds pick up seeds and that's going to be your life it's like, And you're going to think, you know, I really wish I would have called that person And we could have got together and wrote
3: It's you know, just you're like You're 100% that. right, that's something that you should have told James Hetfield and Lars Rooke When they kicked Jason Huston out of it When he made them leave the band because he wanted to be part of something else I mean, I guess if you're metallic, You really don't have to be part of another band For, you know, financial reasons But, you know, just musically right. You'd want to be part of other things Because maybe, like with Anger is Art, You have something else that you want to do that really doesn't fit into that Maybe you do have to be in something else to express yourself that way
5: Sure, sure, of course. Yeah, and you know, and that's, that's exactly it, but also it's the opportunity. I mean, we're not going to Germany uh, this year, but Eric has the opportunity to go, and Stygian Crown, but, you know, I've known their drummer since forever. Um, just great, great guys. It's like, dude, go, travel, have a fall, have the time of your life, and, you know, remember everything, take pictures, bring back, and brag about it. I, uh, I still hear the story, uh, and I think I've shared this one with you, and if I haven't, I'm going to share it now, of uh, when Sin uh, was playing with ministry. And they did the um the Hellfest in France in yeah. two thousand and eight, and they played the Judas priest. So anyway, um so here's Ministry. sin says he's sitting in the uh, in the hospitality tent. and all of a sudden the door to the tent wa- uh, wa- swings open, and here comes KK downing. KK comes walking in the room and looks across the room at and points at him and goes, "Hey, dude kind of like thing." And sin like looks over his shoulder me. K.K. Downing walks up to him and says, hey, dude, I think you're a fantastic guitar player. Wow. And they have this conversation of him. And I said, dude, that's the thing, because you can't have experiences like that unless you go and put yourself in the position. And it's like, dude, go, meet these people, meet, your, meet. get the chance to ride in a van through Puerto Rico, blowing through red lights with the guys in Raven, and have the Gallagher brothers singing uh, mentors' songs. You'll have yeah. memories that will last you your lifetime. Oh, man. It just it, it, Some of the
3: greatest things. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned KK Downer, and I. for people that don't know, Steve is a humongous Judas Priest fan. You also play in Early Priest. Year. Just a little. You're the Ian Hill of Early Priest. You're the bass player in that, in that band yes. over there. And, you know, so yes. we're going to talk about Priest a little bit, because I was going to do a rant about it for Iman in the chat room, but I figured I'd say, no, i got to wait for Steve I, to come on, yeah, because I, there's no bigger Judas Priest yeah. fan that I know of than Steven. You know, this weekend, Rock and Look Roll Hall of Fame. Wait. When? Oh, yeah. I, I yeah, before Priest. we do that, e,
5: Eamon yeah, asked me why I let John Cyrus <laughs> be a guest. Will I let John Cyrus be a guest singer? And my answer is who? No. <laughs> the answer is no. Anyway, let's get back to Judas Priest.
3: Well, you know, this was a big weekend for, for Judas Priest, getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I was seen last uh... week, you know, our generation, you know, we came from a time when there was only like four or five TV channels. At least here in New York, we didn't have cable TV until almost the nineties, so we only right. had the local channels—ABC, exactly. you know, CBS, NBC. So award right. shows back then were a big thing because you know there was nothing else to watch. So when the Emmys came on, mm-hmm. the Grammys come, we watched them because that was all we had. This new yes, generation—they don't care so much about award shows. They're not into it, like you know, like you know. Our, I think our generation is probably the last one that cared about award shows if it even meant anything to people, mm-hmm. but when you're in a band especially a heavy metal band now I know in the early days with like Sabbath and Priest and, and the bands that came up to that era they only did it you know they they played the music they played but they knew that there was a shot that they could make it make it big you know and become a like an arena type band and make a living doing it sure. when the sure. next generation came around you know when Metallica started and event and those bands I don't think any of them ever expected it to go any further than playing locally because there wasn't an audience for it at the time but that generation exactly. expects to be like you know awarded for things and when priests didn't get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the way they should have by just being nominated for what they've accomplished and done, I felt like they gave mm-hmm. them a, particip- a participation trophy thing by saying, eh, "Here's the excellence thing. It doesn't really mean as much, but you're in." And that bothers me. But they don't seem to care. They want to be in for that. And to me, it's like that's like second best to me. I'm like, you, you guys are better than that. You deserve more than that. But they come from that generation where mm-hmm. getting awarded and stuff like that means something to them. It's important, you know. Yeah. So I kind of get that. But I'm watching the the videos of the, the performance and it looks like nobody was happy to be there maybe it was just because film from far away uh but like you know rob didn't want it's just like he didn't want nothing to do with kk you know glenn you know he's got his medical issues so he was doing his thing on his side and i understand that right. you know but it just felt like they were like two divorced parents who had to show for their kids play and just make the best of it so i don't know if you saw the clips of it what do you think what is your take on that
5: I did i i studied body language i study all this stuff and i actually saw a piece of video just this afternoon that i didn't know existed yet where somebody shot from a different angle they got the whole thing they got the in the induction film beforehand oh. they got the whole concert and then, then they got all of the speeches and there and i know uh, there were so many people reacting online like you are i saw it entirely differently what people are forgetting okay For like i said huge judas priest fan and i was always back in the day annoyed because kk always spent so much time way out there on that wing where he stood yeah, he was in his yeah. comfort zone
2: yeah.
5: now he the thing several things i'm watching him and richie interacting that was actually amazing because yes. that's what it, let's be honest that's what everybody's hoping for with all due respect to Glenn and his, and his health and everything like that. Um, so I watched a couple of other things. While the speeches are going on, yeah, I'm listening to the speeches, but I'm watching what's going on in the background. There's some very funny interaction between uh, KK and Ian Hill, and there's some more going on between um, between Rob and KK. There is So there's some positive stuff. The guy who I felt got left out in the cold was Les Binks yeah yeah just, nobody was really talking to him and the thing what kills me most about it is you know i'm being a huge priest fan. i know everything about him or almost scott travis routinely talks about what a big less fan he is and they didn't spend any time together at least on camera yeah so i can't wait to see some footage was, yeah oh yeah there's definitely some interaction there's a lot of smiles i'm reading body language and i see that but you know, the first thought is, "Wow, Glenn!" Everybody says he and Glenn aren't rocking out. The other side of the coin is, Glenn can't move.
3: Yeah, I think people you know that, they're not expecting anything, you know, yeah. much from that end, you know.
5: Yeah, I, so I think there might have been a lot of people that are thinking, "Hey, this could just like it was in the '80s." Well, Glenn just turned 75, and he's dealing with Parkinson's. Then again, KK just turned 71, and he was all over the place. Is that.
3: <laughs> well, you know, you got to come out. The Parkinson is really, you know, I mean, the fact that he's even up there still playing it, but it's probably quite mm-hmm. advanced at his age and how long he's had it. The fact that he even shows up oh, yeah. for, some, for some shows here and there, if you're lucky enough to catch oh, one yeah. of them, that's that's going to be a bonus. If you didn't catch Priest in the early days when they were all there, I mean, you catch it now and he able, he's able to come out, that's a bonus for anybody can see that show.
5: Of course, of course And that's the thing, people, I think everybody and It's like KISS reunions, you know, or, or KISS concerts Everybody bags on Paul Stanley not being able to sing Paul owes us nothing You know, I spent a lot of money on KISS over the years And I'll tell you what, I got my money's worth every time Except for one show <laughs> <laughs> And that was on the Asylum Tour When Wasp kicked them off stage at the Forum here in LA I had never seen KISS get blown away by an opening band And Wasp destroyed them That was amazing But, um, you know, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, they owe us nothing at this point other than just the best they've got to give. But they're old men. These are old people. Um, Look at the guys in Sabbath. Okay, Sabbath got out. I don't know. know, Tony Iommi's not terribly mobile. Ozzy does not look terribly good. He's dealing with Parkinson's, too. True.
4: Um,
5: All of our heroes are old men, and they're frail. The fact that they're still doing it, that's a blessing. That's a a, hey, remember when thing, and man, oh, man, they're still doing it. Just enjoy it. Come on, everybody, stop being so nitpicky. In the the 80s, yeah, you saw them, and yes, they were better in the 80s. Of course they were. That's not the point. The point is they're still doing it now. They're worthy of being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They are. And they've been doing it for 50, how many, 53, 54 years now.
3: Come on. 50 years. That's my point. I agree with you one hundred percent i couldn 't agree with you any anymore. people think like you know it 's like when you watch a movie, you know you watch these movies and I'm watching a movie with Humphrey Bogart. i 'm like, oh, this is so great i 'm enjoying it and you know you forget that you know he would be hundred and something years old if he was alive today he 's been dead for thirty years, hey. but you know when you see people on 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 videos and on t v at you know all ages of the career, you forget that they 're getting older sometimes and sometimes you don 't see them for a few years, and bands aren 't active sometimes. You know, and you forget, sure. like, you look at the Rolling Stones, you got Mick Jagger and Keith Richards out there. I mean, they're still rocking the shit out of that when they get up on stage. They're, like, got to be close to 80. You know, but some people are just right. made 80. differently than others, you know?
5: Right. Well, let's be honest. Keith Richards had a little help.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> he had a lot of help. But the fact that these guys are up there still doing it, and, I mean, actually, like, performing like they did when they were in their 20s in a way. You watch them on stage, I'm like, I'm tired just watching these two running around. <laughs> but God yeah, bless
5: I mean, them. Yeah, exactly. They're still doing it. They're still, giving, you know, they're going to give you if they give you some joy out of it. Fantastic. And in fact, here's the thing we're all hoping on here in L.A. is uh, tomorrow night, uh, Judas Priest is playing locally. They're playing at a arena. In, I don't know how, if you know how far away Ontario is from L.A. It's about sixty miles east. Yeah. And so we're going to go. <laughs> here's a funny one. I'm going. I'm going with a large group of people from my church we're going oh. to be judas priest nice. think about that would you
3: <laughs> that should be fun
5: <laughs> you know, i you know, it's, it's amazing because everybody's everybody's like a priest fan say like, are we going yes we, we all talked about it today at church and you know, like, are we going yes we're going you sure we're going yes we're going all right we're going <laughs> at you, any rate um kk there, would
3: be there what do you think are you hoping KK would we're be? Hoping. Yeah.
5: when they when they played here in march uh glenn came out for the show and he did the encores I can't even imagine the besom in that place. If uh, it, first of all, I hope they sit down and break bread a day somewhere, somewhere. And in fact, probably about six, seven miles south of, uh, south of me, I know that Rob is the uh, he's friends with one of the uh, restaurants uh, restaurant owner about six miles south of me, and he goes there every time he has downtime in L.A. So my hope is if I was to drive down to Baldwin Park from here, which is just south of me. Yeah, they'd all be in there breaking bread and you see Glenn and KK with the big I love you man moment but it ain't gonna happen <laughs>
3: I don't know you know you have to say to yourself I feel like with a bit like Judas Priest I mean you've been involved in a lot of bands and you know the clashes that can take place between members whether you know, you know oh, yeah. a small local garage band or, or Judas Priest I mean, but you think right. after 50 years and seeing what the band has gone through, I mean, getting Rob back in the band years ago, you know, and, and, and I don't, mm-hmm. Richie, I say what you want, but I think Richie, I don't think they could have found a better replacement guitar player in Richie Falk. I think the kid is just incredible. He's not even a kid fantastic. no more, but he's just amazing, that guy. And if K.K. did, yeah. I mean, what? why not bring him back now? I mean, how many more years do you really think they're going to be able to do what they're doing? I mean, you know, Rob is getting older. You can see it when he's up on stage You know, he needs a teleprompter oh, sure. war. You know, how many more shows can, you know, Glenn come out and play for before he he just becomes completely debilitated? Scott is a powerhouse, right. will be there. Ian, forget about forget about Ian Hill. I mean, that guy's just keep he's like the energizer bunny, he just keeps going and going and you know. I don't sure. know if anything can stop that guy at this it, point it in time. Me.
5: People say that. They say that uh, they say, You Ian Hill never moves you're not paying attention. Dude has done the exact same thing for fifty years. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't remember and Malcolm and forth, Young moving Malcolm Young didn't go nowhere sure. no
5: either, but he was the backbone of that, that exactly. band. Exactly, exactly. The big thing, like what you're alluding to, um, yeah. Rob did come back to the band after Rob apologized, and that's what nobody in this band remembers. They were they kept everything behind closed doors until uh, until Glenn announced the Parkinsons and KK flipped his, flipped his uh, lid, as the term goes. but he you know then he went nuts and he went into the press and all this stuff they did this they did that and come on kk's done press for years he knew exactly what he was saying he knew he was going to be misquoted did you also notice that about maybe five six months ago or so they did an interview in guitar world with glenn and glenn says, you know what? that guy's been running his mouth for a long time now i'm gonna speak and glenn just tore into him and kk's been silent ever since that's which wonder. is interesting I think he just wanted he wanted attention here's the other thing I mean they were done they were ready to retire the one of the main reasons why Rob left the band back in the 90s was because of uh, Glenn and KK fighting with each other and if you read Rob's book there's one particular thing where uh, the the time when he flipped out about when Rob said I've had enough after a show in Toronto when he fell off the bike broke his nose because the, uh, the the bridge came down yeah
2: yeah yeah
5: anyway at that particular show I KK was pissed off at Glenn about something, and Rob describes it in the book. He says, KK's up on a table without his shirt on, shouting, I dare ya, I dare ya And says so Glenn is on the other side of the room with that cherubic grin, just looking at him. And you know you know that smart ass grin, just looking right yeah. at him, pissed him off even more. So it, they have a love hate relationship. They need, forget coming to the band. Those guys need to make peace because they were actually very close. And that's what the big deal is. So I my hope, hope is if they're sitting in a restaurant. Yeah, my hope is they're sitting in a restaurant somewhere here in LA yeah. today, and that he's going to show up for encore tomorrow night. And that's all I need. But if they don't, what we saw that, what you see on those videos, and what we're going to see when they eventually release the the full blown version of it, is what I thought was absolutely a majestic. That's the high point. What do you do? What do you do after this?
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to see better footage. We get two right?
5: drummers. Yeah. Oh. oh yeah, and we will and we will
3: being but, uh, such a priest yeah. fan do you think the right people got put into the hall of fame from the band not outside I mean not outside of the original members do you think Les Binks belongs to being there more to say John Hinch
5: he does because those albums were much more influential and, besides, and secondly I hate to put it this way but John Hinch passed away so no he, I know but so did Dave mention? Holland and
3: Dave Holland was nominated too
5: true but Dave was also there for the years when they were at their peak
3: the prime years I, I know but, like, I think less than yeah. two years, and Ripper's like, you know, how come I'm not in there? It, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm personally not a fan of the Ripper years of the band. Nothing against Ripper himself. I just right. wasn't a fan of those records or those years that he was a part of it. Yeah. But, you know, people like, yeah. you know, what do I do to get in there? I'm like, well, you know, you can't come to Judas Priest in the middle <laughs> of a couple of albums and say, well, I should be in there. It doesn't work that way.
5: Right. Right. Now, t- uh, you make an argument about Timmy, you make that argument about Richie. It's the same thing. Richie hadn't been there, I think, 25 years or something like that. But, actually tim had it was 25 years ago when he was when he, uh, 26 years ago when he came to the band
3: yeah yeah wow <laughs>
5: really so old now conceivably I, I at the very least wish they would have mentioned their name mentioned his name i thought it would have been a classic well richie was fortunately up there playing with him that was amazing but um okay i would like to have had richie acknowledged tim acknowledged and even andy smith acknowledged
3: I think everybody that contributed to that band at one point should be like all the other bands that were in there. You know, People are like, well, how come Ronnie yeah. James Dio didn't get in there with Black Sabbath? They were such great records. That's probably has more something to do with Sharon Osborne than, than anything else, you know, to be it, honest with you. It, but, you
4: could be, it
5: could be, but then again, we go back to the Kiss thing where it had to be the original four and they couldn't have any of the other guys. And I don't know. I get it. There's the classic lineup from the peak years. I get that. Um, you know, The interesting thing was we talked about them being passed over I didn't realize until today watching videos that um, uh, Duran Duran had been eligible for 17 years now, and kept getting passed over. And, you I didn't know, even know that. I, I had no
3: idea. You, you forget somehow, you know. And I forgot who it is from Duran Duran. The guitar player. They just said he has like stage four cancer. So,
5: stage four cancer. Yeah, it's prost- uh, prostate cancer that's actually metastasized. It's sad wow but um you know it's funny years ago years when I mean, we were all kids come on i had to hate them because they were different <laughs> from this standpoint i look at them my gosh that was some songwriting
3: yeah. <laughs> oh, no but you're 100 right. i have a duran duran I, I work in, in manhattan which is like the major city in, in new york that's why everybody from much mm-hmm. comes to work sure. over here you know and there's a, a sure. restaurant called taos t-a-o it's a really fancy high-end like you know like Multi-million dollars go there. You know, it's like a a celebrity-packed place, and you got to be really rich and famous. And I'm working on the corner sure. of the place one night with the contractors I work for my company, and y'all comes out and says, mm-hmm. "You know, I got this big hole in front of the street over there. Can you think you get your guys to come fix it?" I, you know, now they're not supposed to do that because they're working for another company. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I sent them over to the fix the guy's like, you come in anytime you want, you know, for dinner, it's on us. I'm like, oh, thank you. So my partner's like, let's go in tonight because if you don't go in tonight, the guy will forget like tomorrow. <laughs> so let's go in there right now <laughs> and get our meal. So we're working, we got construction clothes on, our yellow safety vests, our hard hats, you know, and you walk in, that people are in there in tuxedos oh, yeah. and the suits. And Duran Duran is sitting in the in the waiting room waiting to get a table. The whole band is sitting in And you there. walk right have, past them we walked in and the guys like, "Come on, you guys, come on, come, on, let's go." And I'm like, I'm, like, I'm sitting, I'm looking at, him, I'm like, "That's Duran Duran." I'm going, you know, <laughs> my friend that I work with because he didn't know who they were. I'm like, "That's Duran Duran." And they were looking at, him, I was like, "Who the hell are these guys?" They probably had to fix the plumbing or something, I guess. You know I was sitting there oh, eating Wagyu steak. I was like, I'll never forget that day. That's
5: hilarious. Yeah. See, those, those are great stories. You store and we, everybody has a good story like this. That's a good. I don't think you ever told me that one before. That is fantastic. I'm going to remember that one.
3: I only thought about that when I heard when I saw Duran Duran, you know, in the Rock Hall of Fame, and I, I saw that the guitar. I'm like, wow, and that was like ten years ago. I'm like, you know, you forget how how young that you thought they were and how great shape they were. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. you find us out that the guy's about to die soon from you know what he has. It's just the, you know, yeah. the world we live in, the way things are.
5: Yeah, it is sad. It is sad, but we're all we're all only here for a little bit of time, man. It's,
3: I know. You know, well, let's hope Chris catch it up for be... us during that time. Where we get KK back in the band for. You know, whatever many tours they got left. And I, I saw I was reading the out before. And I try not to go there, but every now and then I got nothing to do it. I know, with. but
5: it's still, it's still like New Central. I'm sorry it, to it call is. it that. It is. No, yeah, you're right. You know.
3: and, and Bruce Kulick says, you know, because he had a big fight with his brother, Bob, right before they died and they weren't talking. He goes, you know, if my brother was still alive today, we would have patched things up and moved past this. And I'm like, that's why you got to do it when you're alive. That's why you can't wait. You can't waste. We'll get, we're not 10 years old anymore. We can say, hey, if I don't talk to him until next year, I'll be 11. As we get older, you might right. not be there. I remember we spoke when Lemmy was sick, and we were like, "Why is he yes. still playing?" People have said that he's out there playing. He should stop playing and I'm like, but he died doing what he did his whole life and he loved to do, and he oh, did yeah. it right up to the very yeah. end. He played right up to the very end. So, yeah, you know, you got to make the most. of it
5: poetic. Him. There's something poetic about uh, you know you finish a tour and then ten days later ten days later you're gone, and you know you don't you don't diagnose him until eight days after the tour or ten days later he's dead. Yeah, there's something poetic about that, and yeah, I mean, we all knew he was sick. Everybody knew there was something critically wrong, but uh, yeah. yeah, you know, you don't know. That's just the thing. And what what happens? What happens with your life? Where where are your values? What are you valuing? Um, what? And I could go off on a whole different tangent there, but uh, I think people have this idea. Yeah, you're immortal. You're going to live forever. And then you hit in your fifties, and it's like, oh. Gee.
3: <laughs> I, I know. You it That's why you got to go see your doctors. Listen, out in L.A., I mean, isn't yeah. Chris Loke from Savage Grace a doctor? You can go see him.
5: Yeah, not the kind of doctor I really <laughs> want to go see. Dude, I, I don't know if the stories made it back to New York. Nah, I shouldn't gossip. Because I, well, it actually No, was gossip. True. Go ahead, gossip. Go ahead. Well, what was the story that I was hearing about him advertising looking for traveling companions?
3: Oh, I didn't hear that one.
5: That he was... Oh, okay, these were actually, they actually made press, and they were actually uh, publicized that he was uh, looking to pay uh, young, attractive gals to go travel with him, that he would pay for travel, and just just to be seen. Like, um, I guess a little bit more than an escort service, if you will, but people expose that and just, uh, odd, but you can't get a girl on your own?
3: Wow, that's one that got by me. I didn't even hear that one.
5: Yeah, yeah, that, uh, I'm sure the stories are out there somewhere, and... I don't recall the details, so I'm probably spreading some bad stuff, and that's probably not good. No, but, that's okay. Um, that's, yeah, okay. that's was, what we're
3: all about here. We're all about gossip and talking shit.
5: <laughs> I know, but I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't talk any crap unless it's true.
3: We'll find something that's semi true, and we'll, we'll make it true. That's what the whole thing about being in the press is all about: turning into falsehood into reality.
4: <laughs> well... <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, besides that, I do want to get back to the new Angers. Is there a sure. name for the record? Yeah, I, I was going to ask you if you had anything available that you wanted to play yet, but you're probably still in the producing part of it. Is Ron Sandoval working with on this one?
5: Uh, I'm sorry, Yeah, we're still doing this with Ron Sandoval. And oh, just, great. It's, we've gotten into that zone with him where it's like, okay, he... It's funny, I was just recording a couple of days ago, but was it was Wednesday, Thursday, I forget, but... um recording with me because no you're not playing that part right i said dude i wrote this part because you're not playing it right listen do this do that and so he's gotten to the point where um you know he's the unheralded fifth member of the band if that makes yeah. sense and just he knows he i know exactly what tony you're looking for here i know what tony nope you don't want this you don't want that you want to do this here let's double this part here blah 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 so yeah he's great to work with just a fantastic dude
3: one thing I have to say about your record is that they're very distinctive in sound, and, and if you're a fan, you know that it's you guys playing it. But yet, you make each one a little, each one kind of takes the band in a little different direction, I think. You know, mm. musically, sound-wise, but yet it still is anger as art. I mean, this new record, mm. I mean, is it a continuation of where you left off with the last one, or did you take the band? Because now, you, like I said, you had Eric singing more songs on here. Obviously, you're gonna have a different vibe on on, on certain songs. So, I mean, where mm-hmm. do you think you went musically? Where do you think you're going with this record? pet to the last one I wow would say. okay
5: okay uh, sonically I can say this the studio tracks that we did on the live album um, we found a zone we found uh, we found exactly how we like to record that's where we developed a working relationship with Juan so um, so yeah we're uh, sonically it's gonna have a lot of those qualities very raw very in your face we finally figured out okay we like the drums to sound like this and here's how we get it um, guitars are actually now, when we drop Albert on this, it's going to take a left turn because that's going to be a different guitar sound and feel. But he it's, it's interesting because he's got that. He's got a very staccato attack. But he's also very legato when he solos. It's, it's the most effortless thing you've ever seen in your life. He plays a million notes, and it's like me playing three. <laughs> but uh, so that's that's coming along well. But let's see, so, um, musically, this is one thing that we really wanted to pay attention to um, was to make sure that didn't have the same... There are, there are certain tent poles within each album that we keep repeating. And it's like, okay, I want to make a conscious effort to not repeat that, not to repeat that. So we did that just it just, uh, just, to be, just, to be better to ourselves that way and actually force ourselves in a different direction. Um, it's heavier. It's, it's a lot darker of a record, I will say that. And a lot of that was intentional. A lot of that was also on the basis of, you know, hey, we just got out of a two-year pandemic. But um, it's, anybody that's a fan of the band is going to feel right at home. But anybody who's, you know, I wish they do a little bit of this is going to get some of that. There's a, there are some slower tempos, I'll say that, which we don't do a lot of. And Eric brings a lot more of that doomy feel to it. So um, there's a lot of that as well. So it's, it's going to be good. I, I'm, yeah, I'm excited.
3: Oh, I'm not worried about that. I know it is. Steve, how much of, like, what goes on around the world influences what you write? Maybe not so much lyrically, I mean, but musically. Because lyrically, you can write about anything that's happening in the world at any given moment or anything that's like a fantasy in your mind, lyrically, but musically, how much of what goes on around you, you know, how you feel if you're depressed today, if you're happy today, how much of what you feel goes into the actual music you write, or do you think that music is your escape and you don't want to write about, or how you feel, you want to just take it to a whole nother level to take you out of where you are?
5: Wow, that's a tough one to answer, let's see if I can approach that. There's the two things, um, it's not the healthy person that needs a doctor, it's the sick, so in other words, if everything's going great in your world, you're gonna, your music's going to sound happy and joyous and probably non-confrontational. Um, also, uh, the what is it? Uh, a hungry person doesn't seek to get fed, or uh, uh, a full person doesn't seek to get fed. I'm sorry. Um, so there's there's a lot of hunger and there's a lot of uh, a lot of sickness.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> but that can actually influence you if there's if things are going on dark in the world. Now, granted, these songs were written before the economy went into the dumper. So it's all going to come into performance vocally how that's going to how that's going to approach you know keywords that are in the lyrics how you approach them but you also don't want to hit things that are going to be dated like oh they obviously wrote this at such and such a time I can remember a band I want to say it was Testament I may be wrong uh, I think they did a song called the greenhouse effect. Or something to that effect, and they called it. They would say like, "Oh, this is our global warming song." It's like, no, no. And this is back in the '80s or '90s, whatever, early '90s. It's like, don't don't do that. Don't do something. Don't be topical to something that's going to divide people. If you want to write about something politically, make it something. A very. I'll give you an example. There was a song that I readed, uh, "Head of the Snake." which was on the Hubris Incorporated album, was actually written about a political figure, and I was very, very careful uh, to make sure I didn't identify this person. Uh, But it was about somebody evil doing such and such in the world, and everybody bows down and worships this guy. The only way to take him out is to cut off the head of the snake. So anyway, a person who I'm not going to get, I don't want to get reveal too much here, but a person who's on the other side of the aisle, extreme other side of the aisle, he says to me, hey, I think it's great that you wrote a song about so-and-so, a person. It's like, wow, I definitely fooled this guy. <laughs> 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 because it was actually written about somebody he championed. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you can do it like that, y- you can channel emotions, channel your anger into a form of art. How about that? If you can channel your emotions into into something but not reveal everything specific, people can make it about themselves. And that's, that's true. so key. I think I think so many bands paint themselves into the a corner where, oh, I'm – you know, we're this. Take, I'll give you an extreme example. Rage Against the Machine. Love them or hate them, you know exactly where they stand, and everything is going to be an argument. And it's like, well, you don't want to do that. You don't want to isolate a potentially 50% of your crowd or more. It's, it's, why do that? Why – was it Todd Rundgren? It was right before COVID, and uh, Todd Rundgren was on tour someplace, and he said um, – I don't want any Trump followers to go to my concerts, and I'm thinking he's playing half-full theaters on the West Coast. Doesn't he want to fill those rooms? Why piss off everybody? If you've already got half-full rooms, why make it? Why take it down to a quarter?
3: You no, know, you're right. I, 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 social media is for fighting about politics these days. When I go to a show, I want to escape from all that, all that bullshit. I just want to go and enjoy right. the music. I don't want to be preached to by, by anybody. You know, I mean, right. uh, that's just yeah. how I feel, but everybody's different, you know?
5: Yeah, yeah, and but yeah, some people do seek that out. They love that stuff. Um, we see a lot of here in LA, and I'm not I'm not going to say overcon, but uh, here in LA, the Lakers, right? And you got LeBron James, who is like an icon for political opinion. You heard me slam my hand down on the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, come on, dude. Okay, I, I'm not going to judge the guy, but are you really looking to a basketball player to help you decide who, you, who, or what you believe? And then I realized, man, as musicians, as uh, songwriters, as service personnel, anything like that, we all have so much influence over other people. And that's dangerous. A lot of people don't realize how much influence they have over others.
3: It's true. It's very true. But I, I sort of think that people that listen and buy into it are very sheepish because if you can't think for yourself, I mean, you know, then you also have a problem there, too.
5: Yeah. Was it, will I patch things up with Cyrus? Ha ha ha, just busting your balls, Steve. I then, I'll tell you what, brother. We need we need to sit down and have a sandwich or something like that and talk about this.
3: Hey, Iman's obsessed with John Cyrus. Iman, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Is he alien or yeah. is he an asshole? Nobody really could tell the difference these days. But, you know, I mean, you know, I remember all your comments when they were, I think it was Keep It True they were playing at, and when they showed up hours late, and then it was an abortion of a set that they put on over there. And, you know, right. something, you know, I always say, you know, the festival, especially like Keep It True, was like pretty pretty much the first festival that kind of brought back, uh, sort of brought back metal from the 80s when it first started. You know, metal was in a shit place true, at that point true. in time, and he mm-hmm. was trying to get all these bands back together, and he was able to get, like, the majority of these bands, like, with most of the original lineup back together. But then as years went on, it started getting where, you know, right. it was just a bass player from this band or just a drummer from that band. There was all new people on there, and I'm watching, sure. I'm like, these people are going nuts, and I'm like... Either they weren't around when these bands were here, and they're just happy because they're hearing the name of the band. But, you know, you're not getting like mm-hmm. Alan Tecchio, who's the singer for the band Hades, a, a yes. New Jersey metal band, who sure. was great right back in the day. Sure, I know. Was, he, I had, when I had him on the show this time, he was like, Yeah, you know, Oliver wanted us to come over there and play. And Dan, who was the guitar player and really the main guy in the band, whatever reason he backed, that, he didn't want to do it. So he tells Alan, You come over, and I'll get a band to work around you. And, you know, and he was like, No, that's not, that's not Hades. That's, I don't want to do it and so he had like a little right. bit of like dignity I said I'm not going to do it and then I had Mantis from uh, Venom on a few weeks ago and I was like you know sure. why, why do Venom make? you guys had Empire of Evil going which was just incredible music you had Tony and you sure. had a different drummer why go back today? he's like well you know Oliver wanted us to come over and do this set from you know that we did for the show that's coming up this year because it had gotten cancelled you know the year before because of COVID mm-hmm. so he wanted us to come sure. over there and we wanted to call I think Iron and Steel he was saying like and we were just going to do the special set and then come out as all, and he goes you no. Know, he insisted that we, you know, Venom Inc. Venom Inc. So like, when does it get to the point now where promoters are like telling bands like, you know, uh, you talking about you know Mantis from freaking you know Venom, like a legacy yes. type of metal band, that's dictating to you like what name you should use? And then, I saw that he was. I don't want to talk bad about because you know, but he he was on a cruise where, on the kids cruise recently. And he was talking about how great it mm-hmm. was that he saw Bruce Kulick getting to play the Oath. I'm like, Bruce wasn't in the band when the Oath came out. He wasn't a part of that record. Right. So why is that so important to have him? I, if Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley were doing it, I'd say, holy shit! You know, they did the Oath, but yeah. it was it was yeah. Bruce Kulick.
5: Yeah, and nothing against Bruce; he's fine. But, no, uh, not but at yeah, all. But point, that's not the guy made. from the
3: record or the song. You know?
5: Right. Right. You know, I've had that experience with, and I don't want want this to come across like I'm dog and ollie, I'm not, but uh, when, way back when Avatar originally went over and did uh, Keep It True, I forget how the conversation came up, but it was something about, um, when it first got presented to me, I was going, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. And immediately, I was on a, a, he didn't know that I was on an email, he says, how about if you get so-and-so to sing in their stead and you still call it Avatar? It's like, well, okay, I see how he operates, and you know, eventually it was a scheduling issue. Eventually we worked a lot out and everything was fine. But it's kind of like, I told you the story about when um, when Bloodlust was going to go over and play at a festival in Europe, probably 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was. And the guy said, hey, man, says uh, he says, I just realized that you were the singer for Abattoir. Yeah. Uh, he says, if I pay you 100 extra euro, will you play a set of Abattoir songs? 100 extra euro between, you know, it's so a 20 euro per guy. To have to uh, swallow their pride and do something that I did—that I actually left this band for. No, I don't. know. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to cheat them out. It's not fair to. You. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to you. And he, and me, oh, we're going to cancel you off the show. Then, all right, dude. Bye.
3: Wow. You there's didn't tell me that one. Awesome I never murders. heard that one before.
5: I never told you that. My no, gosh. you never told yeah, me I that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, what festival was it? I'm even, I i do not even remember the name of the festival, but um, yeah, they just when they found out they couldn't have what they wanted, they they just they kick you off.
3: That's amazing. But like so it bothers me, this... is that the fans get so into it. I'm like, how can you be into like watching cities when it's only sound the bass player up there? The other guys weren't even some of them weren't even born when the records came out.
5: I know, I know. It's just I don't understand it. But the other side is that they're they're enjoying it. It, it I don't know. I don't know it's hard. What was the band from? Uh, from France back in the early '80s, Living Death, if you remember them.
3: Yeah, Living
5: Death, yeah. Right, they and they were cool. I dug them, but uh, they did a. uh, They were the year that uh, Avatar played on uh, "Keep It True." uh, They couldn't put a band together, so two of the guys in the band, Zwelly and Hanson, I think, were their names. That's what they called the band. They just brought up other people and they played the records. People went nuts. Call it that. Call it that. I agree, but don't. Yeah, you know, it just. Uh, then again, we had the whole thing of when uh, when Avatar did that show a few years back in Milwaukee, and there was a whole thing. Oh, we should call it Avatar Incorporated. I like, no, why? You know, do it. it was because Mel's not there. I said, well, Mel, so what? Let's play. We got four four out of the four of the guys are Avatar guys. The fifth guy, of course, was Eric, and another band he played in. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but that that's just it. It's like you know, you gotta have you gotta have some numbers. Case in point, let's go right back to Judas Priest. Now get these people. Oh, I'm not going to go see the Rob Halford Ian Hill band. Shut up, would you? I mean, those those lineup changes happened over such long periods of time. People forget that Scott's been in the band 32, 33 years. Um, what else? Uh, who else? And anyway, you know what happened with Kenny? And then of course Glenn got sick. It's not like he quit the band. The guy, the guy's sick. And if anybody ever lived up close and personal to Parkinson's. Yeah, it's not pretty. The fact that he's actually able to get out and do those songs and even get on a plane and travel, count the blessings. But yeah, I'm fine with some lineup changes, but when some bands come out, like you say, it's only the bass player for Cities. I don't know how I feel about that.
3: Yeah, I I get it when it's like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest Metallica, things like that. You know, there's long... Long-playing bands sure. where members come and go sometimes, but with some of the local right. underground bands, like you know, you want to see that band and it's just crazy. Like look at Foreigner. I mean, you know, sometimes Mick is part of him sometimes he's not. There's all new people in the band. Now Mick Mars just retired from Motley Crue. I mean, the guys, you guys were sick his whole life. I mean, you know, you know, yeah. you know physically, you know, has has problems. So it was probably a cash grab. Let me go out to this tour now. Now I got John Five there. To me, Mick Mars. Say what you want about Nicky Six and Tommy Leavitt. I thought Mick Mars was always that band. To me, he was like he was like the Cliff Burton of Cliff Burton was from the time, I felt Mick Mars was the Motley Crue. His guitar kind of defined the sound of that band.
5: Yeah, you make a good point. He he definitely had an identifiable guitar sound.
3: And you know, I
5: man, I have more respect for that guy. Not able to speak about Glenn Tipton not being able to move. This guy really couldn't move. Yeah. And you know, the fact that he'd been. I'm not mocking him, so please don't read it like that. But the fact that we're literally watching him shrink over over a year because his spine is literally crumbling. Yeah. And all these people all these people are pissed off. Well, first of all, we all knew that pack they signed years ago, but we're never going to tour again. We all knew that was BS. So, you know, here they are. They're doing this again. Here's the thing that they don't understand about John 5, or John Lowry, whatever you want to call him. He The guy's a fantastic guitar player he's got kind of that that sticky look about him so he'll fit in just right but the one thing he will do is he's going to be true to those songs I hope And so. hope yeah, I'm fine with it I'm fine with it you know I mean it's and once again we go back to it it's not the 80s anymore kids you'll know, no, be glad right. if you really like that band be glad you're getting something
3: yeah Vince Neil should be as true to the songs as he's going to be
5: well that's a different story for a different day but <laughs> yeah. hey let's have that conversation <laughs>
3: I'm just saying, you know, it's just crazy stuff going on out there. You know, you're right, because, you know, like, I'm so, like, I get so upset when I see all these bands. I, I don't know if I get upset because these bands are playing with so few members from the original lineup, or it's because I see these fans going so crazy, From I'm like, nah, I you know, and maybe it's just because I'm old and I'm cranky and I'm grumpy, but I'm like, no. I remember seeing Accept when Udo was in the band, and, and Peter and Wolf and all these guys were in there, Stefan, now you go yeah. see, it's just Wolf Hoffman now, you know, but... Maybe it's just me being bitter. I don't know. (laughs) It's probably just this, but, you know, I I can't help it, I guess.
5: Yeah, it could be. And I will say this for Mark Janiel. He he has actually done very well with that position. Because remember what happened when David Reese got in the band? And that was not great. This guy, at least, his, his own voice, he can do the Udo stuff well as well. So good for them, but yeah, I was uh, I was sad when Peter left. I mean, Pete, where did Peter just turn up? What band did he turn up in?
3: In Udo's band, He's, he's playing with Udo. He's That's what it was. Band. Yeah, so it was
5: like okay. So what's really going on here? And I'm thinking, okay, these guys are all Germans living in America. Why don't you all sit down and talk? Why don't you all sit down at Rob Halford's friend's restaurant down here in Baldwin <laughs> <laughs> you know, mean, Park? at the very least, I mean, you get off this blue marble and you don't make peace with people. That's when it hurts because the people left behind. You know, then there's that unresolved, like, uh, like you said, Bruce and Bob Kulick. I saw that link on Blabbermouth, too. I want to read that story. I haven't read it yet. But uh, I imagine it's probably heart-wrenching.
3: Yeah. I had no idea. Brothers that were always good to each other their whole lives. And I forgot what happened. You know, I mentioned it years ago when they had the little falling out. And then what, what? I think it was months after he dies. I mean, so yeah. it's, it's yeah, not heart worth it. Or whatever, so. Yeah, but when you're right. alive, you got to make the most of it. You know, I, mean, I try not to fight with yeah. anybody anymore because you fight today, like, you know what, I'll make up with them tomorrow. You get up the next day, you find out they had a heart attack and died overnight. It's not worth yeah.
5: it. Oh gosh. There was a, um, this is a sad story, so I'll tell it anyway. <laughs> there was a local business over here. I think it was a tire business. A tires, tire's a car serial, something that had to do with cars. And it was a father and son business. And this is a legendary story. Apparently, they got into an argument at work one day, and the son said to the father, "I wish you'd just drop dead." Well, dad went home that night and had a heart attack. Wow. And and died, of course. So then the son has to run that business. Every time I pass by that business, I think, man, oh man, that's gotta sting. Yeah. Because I don't want to be that person that has that carries that baggage. And I'm sorry for anybody who's listening. If I'm hurting your feelings, that's not my point. I mean, just I I empathize with you that's just got to be tough and I, I'm just sorry man I yeah that's a tough one but there's a lesson to learn there that just don't be that way with people you can't
3: you are 100% right life is way too short for all that garbage but are you going to give us the name mm. of the new uh, Anger's Art record or are you going to hold that a secret till it comes out are we going to get a little scoop over oh, here
5: it's not a secret and I think you'll appreciate it we just came to a conclusion there's two song titles uh, one of the songs is called Virtue Signals oh I like that <laughs> And, oh, my gosh, uh, the other song is called Prevail Sympathy. And we were going back and forth on uh, album titles. We were thinking, okay, we'll do this, we'll do that. And we couldn't figure out what to do, so we actually hacked it in half and called it Virtual Sympathy.
3: I like that. That, That's
5: great. It came up because it has such a thing, and it it fits with the the lyrical context. uh, Lyrical context, excuse me, I can't even speak today. Uh, Lyrical context of people aren't even real with one another nobody's willing to show sympathy but we're hey, we're the first in line to give us you know give your likes online or oh here's an e-sympathy card i'm so sorry you had a loss in your family it's like go hug the people go actually be a human being Man, you know what i sound like i sound like this old
3: sage now i remember <laughs> i used to be this bitter this bitter dude i know like, you're so angry you... you were so angry the first time we spoke now it's like you know like uh, i don't know
5: I know, and then I keep thinking about. I mean, I'm not a fan of the show anymore, but I keep thinking about the Walking Dead. And it's like, anytime anybody on that show would start to get real wise in their old age, they get eaten alive. So maybe I shouldn't go That's outside great. tonight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: oh
5: much. my gosh.
3: But, but, but that's true You know You, you know the First I mean You know The first record they had a lot of anger in it Then each one got a little mellower A little mellower Even though you know, Mellowish is still the most angry guy in the world On record On record I'm saying You know musically But right. you know It, it happens It's just no Like you know You're right But there, there's no more Social interaction anymore I mean social right. media Is supposed to be social But it took all the social Out of everything in life My wife still mails right. out Cards for everything Like you know She don't send nothing Through emails Nothing through like Facebook everything is right. personal with her, you know, and I'm like, you know, when I order stuff, like she goes, want to order from that restaurant? I'm like, well, I got to call them up and order it. She goes, so why? I'm like, I don't want to talk to nobody, so I got to go online and order. You know, it's like I'm, I'm becoming more and more isolated, too. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? You know, it's just it's yeah, the no, world. Yeah, we're the same. Yeah.
5: We're the same. I'll send an, e- I'll send an email before I pick up a phone and call. In fact, yeah. we could have done this whole, this whole interview by email.
3: <laughs> we probably could <laughs> if my spelling wasn't atrocious, like my language. <laughs> I would have done that.
5: Yeah, the spelling might have been a challenge. I don't know about how I'm doing
3: here. But, <laughs> uh, but it's true. I, we've but lost you, all you, social you know. contact. I mean, people don't go to clubs right. or bars anymore and meet people. They don't go right. anywhere. It's like, forget it. You know, I was like, I can't believe it. Like, these like, people say that they met online, they did everything online. No, but I, mean, I, I guess right. maybe if this was around in the 80s, I probably would have been the same way too. I guess because I grew up in, a, <laughs> in an era where you had to physically meet people and talk to them and do things, you know? Right.
5: You know what we sound like right now, talking. Anybody you were talking with Jeff about the younger generation carrying carrying the metal in the metal scene right now. And you're right, because yeah. it, it's very true. And I'm grateful for that. But we literally in this conversation right now sound like you know when I was your age, I walked to school twelve miles uphill both ways in the snow.
3: <laughs> we sound like the two cranky guys on the Muppet just sat in the balcony.
5: Holy smokes, or are we like uh, Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau? Uh, we're that grumpy old men. <laughs> what happened? Oh my gosh, these gray hairs are real. Anyway, go on.
4: Did I lose you?
3: Steve, you there?
5: Yeah, Verizon uh, we got does, disconnected Verizon, I guess. does. Yeah.
3: yeah, it's Verizon. So uh, what I was yeah, saying see, was... Grumpy old man,
5: here
3: we are. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was saying, this year's almost over, but we're going to get the new record next year. And what do you have planned, Dennis? I mean, you get, is it going to be possible to get out a little bit? I mean, financially, things are just crazy right now. The economy like in the shit I saw. Is it even worse trying to get out of, like, you know, California to play in other parts of the country?
5: We all I can tell you, yeah, you're absolutely right. A lot of uh, anybody listening, a lot of bands are really suffering. When you see Anthrax pulling the plug on a tour because of the cost of diesel yeah. fuel, yeah. that should tell you that should tell you how things are. It's it's real tight. And for bands of our stature, much much smaller, I don't know. Yes, we're going to seriously look for opportunities to get out and play, and go and do some traveling like we do. Um, but it's got the money's got to work. And that's what's funny. People don't understand. They think, oh yeah, you you do it for the money. You got to pay these bills. And gasoline's expensive. Ask anybody to just fill the tank, or anybody that just bought groceries. Now try and feed a group of four guys plus four more on a crew, and then you're renting a vehicle. You got to put diesel in it every day. Then you got to uh, be at at least one hotel room crashing eight guys in it. Um, it's tight. You know, it's it's real tough to to make things go. So we shall see. But um, we're targeting like a spring release. I wanted to tell you what label we're with, but I did not get the green light to give the, na- uh, to give the name because um, I literally met with the label two, three weeks ago, and everything's there. It's, it's this handshake deal has been in place since December of 2020, uh, December of 19. Wow! But we, uh, we we're going to make the announcement. We we're going to start recording, then the, uh, the pandemic hit. But um, it's a fairly Label that has a lot of good bands, a lot of distribution, and uh, just good guys that I've known since forever. We've been working alongside these guys since the old school metal days. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to give the name, but I, I just don't feel comfortable giving it right now because, hey, we don't have the piece of paper, you know, the piece of paper. We didn't give you the green light, so yeah. Don't jinx just say it that. Uh, yeah, it's a, and nothing would jinx it, but I just want, I want to be respectful. Um, to that to said. Uh, to, to say that I'm sorry I can't even speak. Uh, obviously, we're still on good relations with um, with uh, old school, Patrick at Old School Metal Records, and also with Nathan at uh, Malev- Malevolence Records. Um, that we did the the, uh, the live album, and that was the last record that he released. He says you guys will be my last release. And we knew Malevolence wasn't gonna uh, wasn't gonna continue. Yeah. So it was a one-off deal. And then we figured we don't even know where the industry is going to be in. um, And then, of course, the pandemic hits. So, um, yeah, it's just the fact that there's another label that wants us and is willing to invest in us. Fantastic. We're grateful. And they're good, good guys. Don't live far away. So, um, yeah, excited.
3: I'm excited too. Steve, I only got like 12 minutes left in the show, so I want to play a couple of songs. You know, from uh, i been mean, spreading your music out throughout the show. I want to get on a few more tunes uh, before we wrap it up here tonight. But you know, we're going to do this again next year. When the record comes out, you know, if you want to come back that. on, we'll do it again. Maybe we get the whole band Absolutely. on it. You got to get back to New York. Absolutely. I know you have the opportunities because of that and other people. So I know it's going to happen, and yes. I'm waiting for that day again.
5: So are we. So are we. Yeah, let's do that. And uh, let me ask you one question before we go. You can do more than one person on this system?
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean I haven't tried it yet, but I'm pretty sure I can. Okay.
5: I'll tell you what, when the record's done, when we're when we're releasing, let's get all four of us on and we'll all sit down and have a good old fashioned compact with you. That Kinda like great. this, but we won't talk about big lots. No, I not at I all. We'll there. find
3: out where everybody else shops so we'll, we'll maybe they go to Marshalls or Home Goods. I don't know, but we'll get them all involved.
5: <laughs> I love you, dude. You're a great man.
3: <laughs> you too, Steve. I love you, buddy. You have a great night and you know, I all always right. have fun talking to you. I wish the show was longer so we could talk even more, but we'll get back to it again. I
5: know. We definitely will. we got to do it in person. But have a great job. Uh, we don't talk through the holidays. Have a great Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, all that stuff. And, dude, I'm a phone call away if you need anything.
3: I know. Well, I'm going to text you because I know you don't like talking to people on the phone. So I'll send you a text. <laughs> well, see, that's why I love you, man.
5: <laughs> right, I love buddy. you too, buddy. Have a, have a great, great night. Evening. Thank you so much. <laughs> we'll talk all soon, right, buddy. You you take too. care. Bye-bye, bye-bye.
3: bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Steve Gaines from Manga Resort. I love this guy. I can talk to him all the time. We've got to get Steve on in the beginning of the show. That way we have the whole two to three hours of talk. But here you go. Let's do some... Well, I, I cut a vicious before because we interview to started, but we'll do Aim for the Heart. of Fortune by Bloodlust. I want to thank Steve Gaines and Jeff Allen for being on tonight's show. I said there wasn't going to be a lot of music, because I know when we get talking we can keep going, but we'll get more on next week. And speaking of next week, Ed Aborn from Sireners, I guess. The band has a brand new record out. And Phil Hall from Municipal Waste. So don't forget to tune in next Sunday night. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. How about we uh, wrap it up here tonight with some Exciter. We always played a classic, excited, but let's go to some of the later records. John Ricci was just an amazing songwriter, and whether he was in the band or not, it did make a big difference. So here's Blood of Tyrants. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. <laughs>
4: Richer Than Sun is giving you Black Friday deals now on appliances from all the top brands. The more you buy, the more you save. With up to $800 in additional savings when you buy an appliance package. PC Richer Than Sun.
0: You know how songs and playlists have the power to really move you. What if we told you flowers have the exact same superpower? Farm Fresh flowers from the Books Company are here for all life's magical moments. With special occasion bouquets, I'm here for you bouquets, just because it's pumpkin spice season bouquets. Plus, our flowers stay fresher longer because we source from eco-friendly farms that use sustainable growing practices. Even farms on the side of a volcano. Get moving and shop new fall flowers, plants, and gifts at books.com. That's
2: B-O-U-Q-S.com.